0: Welcome to the Deadly Analysis podcast, and this, the continuation of our bracket challenge, the Doug Goat podcast, Deadly Analysis, greatest of all time. If you're just joining us for the round of 32, we have uh, done the round of 64 in two parts on two videos that can be seen on the channel. Uh, We have put every film that we have ever reviewed on this channel into a bracket, and we are arguing them out. Well, I've gone over the rules for the the rules of engagement, so to speak, on the previous videos. So please do check those out. So we're just going to dive right in and start, uh, start arguing about our movies. First up on the docket, we have Event Horizon versus A Dark Song. Noah, you are the first to vote in this bracket. What do you say?
1: So this may
0: seem easy. Uh, but
1: I, uh, I've thought about this one deeply and I'm going to choose a dark song. Uh, and I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose a dark song because event, let me figure out how I want to say this. I'm choosing a dark song because existential horror films that deal with guilt and, and, um, uh, they're, they're familial. And uh, they require something of the protagonist. Um, those seem to have, over the years since I've watched Event Horizon, seem to have hit me a lot harder than than when I went and initially saw Event Horizon and I was in sort of that phase of my my horror life. I love Event Horizon. And maybe one of the things we should also say before we even jump into any of this is this is now going to get really hard in these discussions because I feel like we've hit, like, we've had to work a lot just to get to these movies. All of these movies that we're going to compare, I think we all really like. Um, So, Event Horizon is one of the, if not the scariest experience I've had in cinema, but a dark song hit me in my gut and my soul a little harder. Uh, Event Horizon is far more visceral. Um, It's far more Lovecraftian, which typically has a lot of weight for me, but a dark song just is so emotional and powerful and um, to see what a person is willing to sacrifice in light of their guilt. Because both of these movies, I think, to a certain extent, have to do with guilt. Uh, a mother feeling guilty for losing her child um, and, uh, you know, all of the characters essentially in Event Horizon having their their fears and one of them, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, specifically having his guilt come out. Uh, Event Horizon is a very Catholic film in a lot of ways and... You know, uh, I think so. So both of them have this guilt thing going on. But over the years, something about seeing someone be uh, metaphorically eviscerated as opposed to literally eviscerated has had more weight for me. And so I had to really think about this. But I think ultimately I'm going to give my vote to A Dark Song as much as I love Event Horizon, as much as it is our most popular podcast we've ever done with a quarter of a million views. Um, I just go check out our a dark song podcast i i think it's i think it's ultimately a better film than event horizon that is so wow. hard
0: for me to say that is a uh, surprise vote for a dark song ben what about you
2: so actually i went back and watched event horizon just because of this uh, over the past week because i wanted to make sure that my comparison was going to be fairer i've se- i've seen a dark song not too long ago it had been longer since i'd seen event horizon um You know, I mean, they're very, very different films, I I feel like. I I do see the similarities to Noah's point, but ultimately I think they are incredibly, incredibly different in theme. Where Dark Song, I feel like the horror for me is just seeing the manipulation and sort of like the trust between like our our kind of like our protagonist and the person that sort of is trying to guide her and give her instruction and saying to do all these crazy things that will lead to this eventual end result, you know. Um, I think that sort of type, like that manipulation, that relational horror – there are a lot of examples of that. I really can't think of a lot of examples of films where we have an interesting cast of characters sort of going into this this sort of the the unknown in such a way where it's like it's science, but we've like punched a hole into another dimension and brought back something. Now, I mean, I, I you know, it, it seems kind of like a, a familiar tale, but not at the time that it was created. I think it was fairly novel. Um, my complaints against Event Horizon are going to be that it does seem sl- somewhat anti-science, maybe somewhat like pro theism you know I, I don't know there are there are those themes there because i think it definitely has its sort of stereotypical kind of like expected kind of like bent there's there's a little bit of a bias there it says you know there are certain things that we just shouldn't mess with because they are just beyond our control we shouldn't play god i think ultimately that kind of sort of the thing that underscores event horizon and i don't necessarily jive with that all that well but, I do think overall i I, I believe it was a, a little bit better, just like somewhat better than a dark song, just because I think it's just more interesting. it's a, it's a it's a better, more palpable source of horror for me, I think So that's what I'm going to go with as a horizon. Shayra?
3: I see what you're saying when you say these are very similar. And, you know, when we have the religious, there's still, like, some religious and tradition stuff to both of them. There's guilt attached to it. There's familial issues attached to it. And there's, like, a really weird supernatural what-the-fuck situation that happens in it in some ways. And, uh, yeah, I see the connections. Um, But they are, I I do see them as a little bit different. The isolation, but with somebody kind of stuff, I see that, too, it it's hard to compare these things right like i don't know but um with event horizon it, it, the scene where they are experiencing the hell is probably one of the most fucked up things i've ever seen but that isn't in the original version right that did they didn't they cut that out of the original version no it's version? it's
1: no it's it's in the original version i think there's just a couple extra quick sequences but the original uh Hell sequence is is in the okay, movie. Okay, that's what oh, it wait. was.
3: It was edited. Okay, yeah, because that I saw the unedited, whatever. It was. It's a pretty disturbing sequence, of of visions. It makes you kind of feel nuts yourself. It makes you very very afraid. Um, it has that slow burn that really really gets to you at your psyche. Um, but a dark song. It, It just seemed like it had its own ambiance that was so unique. Event Horizon kind of almost reminds me a little bit of a lot of other sci-fi kind of movies that are weird and creepy and stuff. Um, So I I almost feel like I'm going to go with the Dark Song just because of uh, the horror elements seem to be a lot more intact there. And the really creepy uh, situations that happen in the Dark Song really, they hit. I have to give it to Event Horizon for that one snippety, creepy fucking sequence. That was probably more brilliant than anything in both of these movies. Like, if we just had that set aside, it would win. But I think with the overall uh, film does throughout, I think I would go with The Dark Song. Um, But I I almost wonder if that's because of aging of stuff. I don't know if it's because of the age. I don't know.
0: Okay, well, I am on the Event Horizon train, oddly enough. Um, so This, this literally
1: is... this literally went the complete opposite of how I thought everyone would vote, all four of us.
0: Oh, really? You thought yeah. I was Dark
1: Song? I thought you would be a Dark Song, and I thought, I was initially thinking me and Shayra would be Event Horizon, and Jim <laughs> and Ben would be a
0: Dark Song. This is crazy. So, uh, let's see, Ben, do you want to fight for Event Horizon, or would you like me to? <laughs> I can do that. Okay and uh noah or who wants to take the dark song i'll
1: go i'll I'll go i i don't really see at this point i don't really see like i feel like it's gonna a debate's probably the wrong word at this point maybe for some of these it'll be a debate but for me i'm kind of for me it's just maybe expanding on my thoughts and then listening to ben as he expands on his thoughts and i'm open to changing my mind so who the fuck knows
0: anyway well you have five minutes starting
1: now Oh, me! May- oh, okay, I'll go. Uh or yeah, both so of you do uh, have five uh, yeah, minutes. Yeah, like maybe 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 Ben and I can dialogue. I, I like that format a little better. So for for me, I think the downside of Event Horizon is that it's insanely tropey, right? Um it's it's aged somewhat poorly. I mean, you watched it recently, so I'd be curious to know if you think that it's it's aged poorly in terms of the in terms of the genre at large. Like it's it's um it's I mean, we went through this in the podcast. It's got a a ton of tropes in it. And not necessarily as we discussed last week, tropes don't necessarily equal bad. But there are some pretty heavy-handed, obvious, really s- insanely stupid one-liners in Event Horizon. That said, um, it was a, you know, a, I, th- I believe very heavily influenced uh, or, or connected to the the Warhammer 40k lore, so it has a lot of social and nerd esque um, influence. So I give it points for that. I think, I think it just comes down to for me like uh, it, you'll notice this maybe as I vote like the personal stuff as a as opposed to that the Maybe some of the high-minded things that eventually that probably got a lot of high ratings for me. A lot of the high-minded horror films and Event Horizon, I I think, is way more high-minded than A Dark Song, um, in a sense that it's it's a Lovecraftian and and it's in space and it's got this other dimensional stuff. But um, I don't know. I I I I I'm starting to just my aesthetic is vibing into the one-off personal development or destruction, the 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 studying of a person, right? I think those films seem to hit me more. Um, so, I think Event Horizon's a little tropey. It's a little dated. Um, it, but ultimately, really, that's the only super negative stuff I have to say with it. Um, there's some tropey stuff in a dark song, if I'm being honest. So,
2: eh. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I I feel like I have the exact opposite opinion on whether or not it's dated. Now, I, yes, it, oh, yeah. it feels like it feels like an old horror film. It feels like an old space horror film. In, in some ways, you know, if you go back and watch Alien again, which I also did, there are some very kind of like obvious sort of, okay, well, clearly this isn't as good now. Thinking about it in 2019 reference with what we can do with, you know, graphics and CGI or like filmmaking. There are some things that they could have done better. That being said, I feel like it's more relevant now than than it ever has been, because I think we're getting closer and closer to a point when we're thinking about space travel and colonies on other planets or even the moon or a gravity drive, right? Like, I mean, that's something that we actually actively, I think, discuss today as being a, an option, as something that's being explored as a potential for interstellar travel. You know, that's something that's literally being discussed right now. And I don't think it necessarily came from the movie. In fact, I'm really curious where they got their source material for thinking about bending space time with gravity gravity um, as being a way to sort of skip distance. You know what I mean? It's like, was that already being discussed in the physics community or like, is this one of those things that we just thought of because kind of like Star Trek, right? It's like where they have like these replicators. And so therefore people are trying to make replicators. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is that it seems quite relevant I think today and as we sort of venture out more and more into the unknown I think those fears are going to be more and more palpable within the zeitgeist whereas something yes um, definitely throughout the horror genre we have sort of these these films where we watch the slow decline of a person's mental health (laughs) as you were like you know there's the slow descent into madness there's this introspective sort of dive into one person's tragedies personal tragedies uh inner interpersonal sort of horror that we we see there relational horror There's plenty of that. Um, And like, even even if we're thinking about the rapper around that for a dark song being kind of like magic, you know, right? It's like old voodoo stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool story. And I definitely enjoy full core as much as the next person, probably even more. But I don't think it has the staying power that something like Event Horizon would have just because it's not going to be relevant throughout decades.
1: Do do you think, though, that the message of Event Horizon, that very tropey 90s Jurassic park s science has gone too far? Oh, no, look at what we've done. Don't you think that ultimately sullies the... The, the value of even horizon at the I, end of the day. I like think,
2: I, eh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's kind of like a Confederate statue, right? It's like, it's good maybe to put those things in their place where we can recognize them as being an artifact of the past, but deal with them head on um i think this fear is something that's going to be more and more palpable again as i've said over time that maybe we shouldn't mess with science maybe we shouldn't do these things maybe we shouldn't play god and i think our answer to that over time is going to change because our exposure to these ideas is going to grow and something like event horizon is a really good exposure an initial early exposure to the possibility that we could hold great power and travel and you know observe more of the universe than we ever thought possible and so on and so forth, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a question that needs to be faced, but maybe the old answer isn't necessarily going to be the new answer to that question, and that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, there's certainly a connection between these films of how far we're willing to go to Mm. meet the goals. We're collectively in Event Horizon, maybe as a society, as science progresses, and then individually in A Dark Song for how far someone is willing to go and sacrifice and, um, you know, be trapped essentially uh, into, you know, you know, in that movie, I guess, trying to meet their, their archangel or whatever, meet their personal angel to ask them a question. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, so does anyone saying, change their votes? I'm really close. I mean, I really don't – this isn't – I will be happy with either of these progressing, to be completely honest. Um, sure. I, I, I'm close to changing my vote, but I, I just – I don't think I'm going to. I, that, sure. As about as close as I'm going to get.
3: No. I cannot stand some of the ridiculous tropiness of event horizon but I have to switch my vote to it because oh. I just oh. uh, when you said Archangel I remembered how weird and corny that <laughs> oh, no. was to me and I was like ah oh, that did kind of it was kind of it vibed weird with me like I didn't hate it but I was like that's Weird, and she didn't even ask a good goddamn question. Well, cl-
1: clearly my clearly my days as a, an <laughs> apologist, I need to brush. Her. I'm a little rusty. I'm a little rusty in my arguing here All
3: <laughs> uh, so, right. I forgot about. It's like yeah, that was kind of corny. So I, if if we're if we're gonna be honest, both of them have some cornball things going on.
1: Yeah,
0: and I, I think I'm, point I'm, I'm, I'm else happy to go. So uh...
1: I'm I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy with Event Horizon going forward between these. That that's that's yeah, that works. Give for a little
3: me. garnish of cornball with uh, some extreme <laughs> <lottery>. <laughs> So we have
0: we have the next matchup now. It's the house that Jack built, otherwise known as the film that defeated Jaws, uh, versus Rear Window. Noah, up to you.
1: Oh, This is so weird. This is such a weird one to me. Mm-hmm. I. I'm just gonna say the house that Jack built and not say anything else.
2: Okay. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. House that Jack built. We'll (laughs) wait for the I'll wait for the argument. Uh
3: Sarah. Rear window.
0: And I am rear window as well, which is Ben, I
1: love you. I love you, Ben. This is all yours. I love you, Ben. This is all yours. I know you did a A lot lot of good arguing in Event Horizon. I'm handing this one to you
3: all right fyi this is where you guys attack each other again and uh we talk about ad hominem and all that stuff it'll be fun i hope we don't do
0: that that's
1: no it. this is what our viewers like uh, Wait, <laughs> fight. Go. No,
0: I'm just uh, unless shayra you want to take the uh, rear window argument
3: i actually could I- um but i know this is your baby and i think you should argue your baby
0: it's not, I, I've got other babies.
3: What if I, what if <laughs> I, I, I a baby? baby. <laughs> like, what if I kill your baby? Like, that would be really sad for you.
1: Quote of the night, this is going on Twitter. I got other babies, Jim. <laughs>
0: After <laughs> uh, this if this one dies, uh, I, I'm less,
2: uh,
3: I, less. So you're a sea turtle, I guess. <laughs> so,
2: so what I'm hearing from you, Jim, is that you'll be defending Antichrist later on in the bracket, because basically, ah. uh, yeah.
0: no, I will not be. I, <laughs> I just looked what Antichrist is going up against, So no, Uh that's not. Maybe if Antichrist was going up against something else, I'd defend it. Uh, maybe if it was going up against House the Jack Builds, I would go Antichrist. But uh, instead, I guess I will, uh, um. Shayra, last call. Do you want uh, Do you want the rear right, window?
3: I, I, I will do some rear window.
0: You got the rear window. Here it goes. Starting now. Ben versus Shayra. All right.
3: I just want to say that one of the most important aspects for rear window for me is the structure of the set. You have an entire uh play out for you. It is so well. Uh, choreographed to the point where it's like a dance. The music matches up perfectly. Everybody is moving in a particular way. This was meticulously put together. And if you actually, they, they have this on uh, YouTube. You can see how they edited all of the shots in a way that it looks like one big shot. And you can see the choreography of the entirety of this. There is something really artistically magical about this. And one of the things I liked about House, House that Jack Built was the artistry and the aesthetic is so fucking phenomenal. But with Rear Window, there is something to that dance and that set and those characters and every little element, the basket, the dog, everything is so well choreographed and shot that it has to go above House of Jack Built for me. And you guys know how much I like House of Jack Built.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I, as far as like the composition and the directing, I honestly, I feel like this might be weird to say, but Hitchcock is knowing Mark Bergman. And like, you know, I, I feel like watching, watching his films and kind of seeing what you're talking about. I totally get it. And I, I think the composition is fantastic. Eh, I'm I, there's never a moment in rear window where I'm looking at it, and I feel like, God, this is actually like this is beautiful. Just looking at the composition of this this scene brings a tear to my eye that never happens with rear window. In fact, I think it's it's a little bit flat because it feels like a murder mystery to me. I'm not sure where the horror really is. And what i'm what I'm really kind of judging these two movies on is, you know, I get, you know, I, I get the the aesthetic differences and the differences in taste. but, With rear window, I mean, what does it really leave you with? I mean, does it make you think do you leave that movie with a stone in your shoe? Are you bothered? Do you have nightmares? Do you think about it days later? Really? I mean, that's that's kind of surprising because ultimately what we have is somebody's neighbor is kind of like killing somebody like, you know, what's the greater existential message there?
3: That's horrific that your neighbor could be this atrocious person. And, And it's this idea that you know, we I mean, we I... look at when we look at everybody, right? We have this whole idea of the grass is greener on the other side, right? But there's also that other element: can I trust all of these people that are near me? And that was a big part of that culture at that time: uh, was can I trust my neighbor? Are they up to no good? Because you were at this point where we are expanding as a society to the point where there's mm. so many people nearby that it gets kind of scary because there might be one bad apple in there that's could possibly rape you in the alley or could kill their wife across the street or whatever. So it, it goes into those very real fears when you start to expand as a society and live near more people and know less about those people that I what are they so. up to? And yeah, that's I where mean, that I voyeurism so, comes, but... where you're peeking in at people and that talks about like social media things that we go in. We Facebook stalk our friends. We're always wondering what they're up to. That's what Rear Window is showing. We are naturally curious beings and we are wondering, are you a person I can trust or not.
2: I guess so. But I mean, maybe I just don't feel that like sort of tension as much because I live in Chicago. And the answer to that question is ultimately going to be yes. Every neighbor you have is the bad guy. <laughs> and yes, they will rob you at gunpoint. Um, No, I mean like I, I get what you're saying there, but ultimately I feel like whenever you come down to it, like did anyone leave the theater of rear window whenever this was screened? And then anyone protest the fucking movie just because it was made, because of how much it disturbed them. Like, I really don't think it has the, if you're, if you're looking at this as a horror film, yes. I mean, rear window is fantastic, but I don't think we're necessarily putting house that Jack built up against, you know, Schindler's list or anything like that. Right. I mean, we're talking about horror here and when you really sort of break it down into something that is grotesque and fearful and terrifying and that really kind of, you know, bothers people and like puts them on the edge and, you know, causes, um, Causes controversy and stuff. I mean, clearly, Von Trey knocked it out of the park with that, and it's not just—it's not just a self-congratulation piece. It's really not that. I think we had that discussion whenever we. I went agree the with episode. that aspect. Yeah, and, yeah. And
3: like the thing is, is I think this is all about trust. Both of these films are about trust, and can we trust the person next to us? I mean, that's the very opening sequence of *House that Jack built. Sure. It's the Jackal*. Sure. Exact same issue. It's just put in a very much more violent and uh, also very creative way. That is. Mm very cool to look at i love looking at it but with rear window it really put into perspective who can we trust what is going on in our world and what just your natural curiosity of the of your neighbor next door um it, it it's just so interesting all the different things that these characters all these characters are very well put together thought out characters whereas All the characters in House of Jack built, yeah, they're somewhat got some character traits, but they're not three-dimensional like the ones in Alfred Hitchcock stuff. And I love a good character. If you have multiple good characters, like the dancing beautiful blonde who ends up being with a nerdy soldier guy and never cheated. Like, those are very three-dimensional characters for me.
0: All right that was uh shayra i am i am glad i let you take the rear window argument because uh i couldn't have done better myself but did anyone uh change their vote
1: i i feel like well i didn't but i i feel like we're almost talking about like a generalized fear versus a very acute fear between between the two movies um but i still yeah i still gotta i still gotta give it to house of the jack bill i i do so i guess we're flipping
0: All right. Rear window is the higher seed. It is heads. Flipping now. It is heads. Rear window moves on. Mm. Shenanigans?
2: No. Ben? No. Okay. It deserves to move on, but I won't use it yet. Ben's like seven (laughs) shenanigans.
0: Seven seal.
2: (laughs) Oh,
0: he's saving it for uh, for later. Uh, Well done. All right. Well done, Shayra. This is a, a matchup that Shera will argue with herself about because she chose both of these movies: uh, "Requiem for a Dream" versus "Donnie Darko." We'll go to Noah first for the for the vote.
1: I have very little to say about the connection between these two, but if I if I'm honest, I think Donnie Darko takes it for me. Um, okay. Yeah, and I don't have a dog in this fight at all. Uh, but I, I my gut tells me Donnie Darko. Ben.
2: I think I, I think I want to go Requiem for this one. I still believe in that one. There's more to it than just the PSA. I
0: agree. Uh Shayra?
3: I know both of these movies by heart. I have seen both of them each, more than 50 times each. Uh these are the two very top, and it's it's like Sophie's choice over here. Um uh so uh, Requiem great soundtrack uh, loved some of the weird horrific elements of like the refrigerator coming to life uh, and freaking people out the you know the end sequence where everybody's life is just miserable and they go into a fetal position it's so artistically beautiful with donnie darko you got frank you've got family disarray with conservative values uh, up against the the new coming progressives and then they're hitting each other in the head so it's social commentary that's so important and, talks about all different kinds of cool shit that makes you want to talk about it forever. Um, I'm feeling, I, I'm, an, I'm just going to go with Requiem for right now, but I honestly, I could go either way with these. I love them both so much. Ah.
0: Okay, and I am going Requiem as well, so that means, Noah, you are the sole Donnie Darko vote. You don't have a dog in this fight, but you have I one minute to buy one. <laughs>
3: I I would love to hear you switch my mind.
0: (laughs) I, yeah, I just don't. And it starts now. I, I, I,
1: I go back to the PSA part of, uh, of Requiem not being the sole, um, not being the sole message, but too strong a message. Um, and I, uh, like it was almost like the warning part of Requiem for a dream. The thing that I took from it was fear of addiction, fear of drugs. Don't, but it was, I mean, it wasn't even that it wasn't even that it was more like don't do drugs don't do this this is bad and this is what it will lead to if you do these things i mean we went through some some of the other more complex and nuanced things but i I ultimately left feeling that was a little too strong whereas for example you're gonna hate me for this i think everyone in here other than ben maybe uh climax didn't do that for me right so so um i i really liked requiem for a dream i uh I sort of went into it, though, just feeling like it's a somewhat overrated movie, like kind of like The Shining. I I think it gets a little too much accolades for what it offers. I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Again, all of these movies are actually excellent. Um, I think Donnie Darko was just novel. It had, I mean, Jesus Christ, had time travel shit. It had anti-conservative value shit. It had, like, I mean, that is such a weird, unique, and novel movie. Like, okay, if we go, okay. how many films are there? No, no, wait a minute. Okay. How many films are there? Now, now I'm suddenly invested. Damn it! Now I'm angry. So, if we think of, <laughs> if we think of all
0: of the films,
1: keep going.
3: Are- I'm switching to Donnie. Go ahead. Okay, all and right. So if Five we-
0: minutes starts now. Who wants to argue Requiem, Ben, or you, you or me?
2: Do you want to take it? I can take it. Uh, go ahead. Okay.
0: All right, Ben versus Noah. Well,
1: let me let me just finish this thought. Let me just yeah finish. Yeah. So real real quick, I just uh, I if we think of how many movies and this is, again, not the end all metric, um, but how many movies are there that are about the horrors of addiction and drugs that there are there are quite a few versus the weird novel shit that goes on in Donnie Darko. I, I can't think of many films that have sort of the conglomeration of things that you see in Donnie Darko. Um, time travel and all the shit we went through. Like, it's just a strange, funky, one-off, very novel. I want to underscore the novelty of Donnie Darko versus sort of, I don't say the repetition of Requiem for a Dream, but how many similar films have been made, the the message as a result has been given. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of those that we could talk about, but there's only one Donnie Darko, you know?
2: Uh, yeah so i mean I... there's there's a lot of uniqueness I, I gotta say there's nothing quite like donnie darko i will give you that even among time travel movies um even if you think about like if you compare it to something like triangle for instance right i mean it's totally different in a really unique and cool way i get that and that makes that i mean it's definitely it's like a, a difficult sort of choice for me between these two but i think really what i'm going to have to go with with um with um uh, uh requiem for a dream yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, right. So I, I honestly, I just really want to hammer the point that, it, you know, I get what you're saying about the PSA point and the fact that like the drug thing is really sort of hammered home. But like the deeper point thing, I, I think is almost very Buddhist, if you think about it, because like what we're thinking about here is that, you know, people think they have to go on a journey to find happiness, right, to find completion, to find their sort of self actualization. At the beginning of this movie, we see everyone in their happiest state, right? Like we know, we know Jared Leto's character and his mom, like that's what his mom really wants is sort of the connectedness with her son, but she's seeking that out through this character on TV and sort of idolizes kind of like this, this image of grandeur and like this, this version of herself that she wants to strive for and sort of. Continues down a path of self-destruction, trying to seek happiness whenever it just leads her to misery. The same thing with Jared Leto's character and his girlfriend. And like I've I've forgotten all of the fucking names at this point, but like I mean, essentially, what you see is they're you know again they're together, they're happy together, they have plans together, and then they think they need that extra little boost to be happy. It's almost like they think the heroin or whatever it is is what's making them feel euphoric whenever they're lying there together, dreaming about the future. When what they really need is the connection with each other, or their friend and like he has, he has this vision when he's with this woman about being safe and feeling comfortable with his mother again, like going back to the familial connections there. But then he sort of like seeks this drug lifestyle and ends up in some fucking prison. And what is it like Florida, you know, being treated like, well, like in an incredibly racist way, right? Like he's he's hit all of them end up hitting rock bottom by the end of this film because they go on this useless journey trying to seek out something that they already had. And so, yes, I think drugs obviously is a really interesting way to do that, especially if this film is targeted at youths, um, because that's definitely an issue that sort of is, is quite pervasive in our culture. People are unhappy, so they seek happiness and then they end up taking this, what they see is like the easy route to get there and end up fucking themselves up. You know, I think it's totally a fair message. Um, And it has like this really cool sort of underpinning element that people really don't see because all they see is the drugs and all all they hear is the music. They hear the music. They see the crazy pupil shots and shit, and they think that's what the movie is about. They aren't able to see past that. And if there's any fault of the movie, it's because, again, like maybe, maybe the analogy isn't clear enough. Maybe the real message isn't spoken clearly enough just because the surface level elements, the basic elements, are a little bit too strong. The lights are a little bit too bright to allow you to see the truth. Um, Yeah, that's, you know, you know, I mean, it's like there's so much there that you really don't get to unless you sort of work for. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with Donnie Darko all of it. I think with Donnie Darko is a lot of it's like really kind of like on the surface And while all of that content is really good I tend to like a movie where it you know, you have to think about it a little bit You kind of have to earn the deeper meaning Um, But when it hits like it really connects with you and and says something I think quite a bit deeper Um, You know, how many movies use drugs as a way to teach people about uh, a a form of enlightenment, you know what I mean? Um, But anyway, yeah, I think that's probably gonna be my argument there is that there's a lot to it It just takes a little extra work to get there
1: the main thing i got from your uh from your discussion here was the word youths and if we have any youths watching um (laughs) you need to watch requiem for a dream that's what i (laughs) i admonish you youths if you're watching um yeah i I hear you i I hear you i i you know i I i remember having this conversation all of us together when we did requiem for a dream that that it wasn't you know that the film is is obviously layers deeper than just drug use um, and, uh, you know, one thing Donnie Darko doesn't have that Requiem does has, it, it does have is a, uh, like a monster fridge, which gets a lot of points for me. That monster <laughs> fridge gets a lot of points. Um, yeah, I don't, man, I really don't know. This isn't the end of the world for me, but I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna let Shaver talk. I, I have no idea what I'm going to do now.
0: All right. That is time. And, uh, did anyone switch their vote?
1: Rich, I want Shayra to answer before me. <laughs>
0: Shea, did you switch I to do- you? The, While Shayra is thinking, I can attack the, the novelty aspect. Like, whatever uh, Donnie Darko has a novelty vis a vis its story, uh, Requiem have, for a Dream has novelty in terms of its filmmaking and in terms of its True. technical prowess. Sure.
3: And it did bring about a whole entire look and a whole entire feel for that time period. It changed things. It Correct. changed things very much just because of its its way it was shot. And, yeah, all the pupil scenes and everything may seem like it's pushing the drug stuff. But that is like the MTV age when it was like really hitting hard. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. For me, it's just I really vibe with it. Oh. I love Donnie Darko so much. I actually on my my film app that I use to organize all my films and all my ratings of all the stuff I rate. I have a picture of Donnie Darko as my background thing for that app. That's how much I love Donnie Darko. But I go, go, with go with your heart. I, oh, I might on, be switching around. Right? Oh. Uh,
0: back on the Requiem
3: train? Ah, I think I am. Fuck. It's, right. yeah, it, it's, so it's so aesthetically pleasing. I don't know. That's
0: um, one Requiem.
3: What are you doing, Noah?
0: I'm gonna call the question. I'm gonna I'm gonna do Donnie. I'm gonna stick with Donnie. Okay. Three, one. Uh, Requiem for a Dream moves on to uh face the winner of our next uh our, our next uh zombie thrillers. Actually, these are uh, Train to Busan versus Pontypool. Noah, you're first up. This is hard. This is really hard for me. This
1: one sucks. <laughs> this really really sucks. Um, I, I want both of these to move forward. Um, they're both zombie, z- zombie-esque. Well, one of them zombie-esque. What What? What, are, what were they called? What were the zombies called in Pontypool? Um, conversationalists is what, uh, they were referred to by the author of, the uh, the book Pontypool Changes Everything. Um, damn, both are really novel in my mind. I know Jim's going to be like, oh, Pontypool, if I can train to Busan 100%. <laughs> I, oh, shit, I... I, I literally thought about this like for the last hour, and I was like, "Train to Busan, Pool. Train to Busan, Pool. Fuck. Um. Okay. I'm just I'm I'm just gonna three, two, one. Train to Busan. I'm sorry, Steve McCaddy. I have to say, Train to Busan.
2: Ah. Ben. Yeah, guys. I I gotta say, like I'm I am super bored with the zombie genre of horror films, and so even though Train to Busan is incredibly well done it's eh, i mean it's like it's an incredibly well done piece of art that i've seen like a thousand times you know what i mean it's like it's super good but it's eh, sort of like the same old kind of story you know what i mean so it's i think i would much rather see more ponty pools in the genre than more trained to busans and so that's why i'm gonna go with ponty pool
3: as much as i love honey the cat and all the linguistics awesomeness of ponty pool the one that makes me cry every time I see it. The one that has actual dancers doing the zombie uh, actions. The one that has Korean horror. So there's laughter. There's oh my god, what's happening? There's uh, you know every emotion you could possibly have on the spectrum and the roller coaster ride that Korean horror does. I-, I need it in my life. Make me feel every emotion. Make me feel every feeling. So it has to be Train to Busan as much as I love Pontypool.
0: Train to Busan for me as well. Ben, you have one minute to win Noah's heart.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing that I'm really going to underscore is here is that production value doesn't necessarily make a better horror film, you know? Yeah. Like one thing that train to Busan definitely has is that there's a lot more production. It's a lot more of an expensive movie to make. There are more technically interesting shots. Probably. Yes. They use dancers for the hordes of zombies. You know, I mean, again, like it was, it was interesting. But again, how many times have we seen zombies clamoring after a family and friends and testing their boundaries and, oh, man, one of your favorite characters gets killed or, oh, they had a heartwarming moment, but then somebody gets killed by a zombie and now they're gone and, you know, you're trying to survive to the very last. I mean, it's. Man, like, how many fucking times have we seen that story? How many times do we? But that's in Pontypool, and that's no. Ponty I mean, it's too. it's good. It's there, but at least it's a minute. different narrative. Like, it's it's far more interesting because it's not just that, well, you know, there's the zombie virus, and suddenly everyone turns into a zombie. It's like there's liter- there's there's far more to it. And I hmm. All right. one minute isn't very much time.
1: Uh, it isn't. It yeah. isn't. Oh, oh God. Okay. So here's my like. Here's my thing. Pontypool's a way more philosophical movie. It's yes. a, a more, it's more novel, hundred um, percent. It has a different kind of meat on the bone. It's like, do you like white meat, dark meat? If you if you like both, uh, I I don't know. Fucking eat the fucking meat. I don't know. That's my new quote for the night. Eat the meat. I, you know, look, like honestly, I, other this, babies, Noah, eat, eat the
0: fucking meat. <laughs> yeah,
1: eat the fucking meat. Uh, I this is. This is rough because I, I do want to say, Ben, I feel like you've maybe deflated a little too much of Train to Busan because, I mean, I get it. They're, yes, uh, zom- zombie films have these sort of sort of general tropey things that you see in, in Train to Busan, but I, I also think that they're in Pontypool. You see a character, the young lady, who ultimately succumbs to the virus. She dies. They break in, and they're... Rrr, rrr, coming. I mean, that's a part of Pontypool, too. Like, you can't make a zombie film without having some of that. I think Pontypool is the closest... I've ever seen a zombie film push to removing the zombies from the narrative as these walking fucking monsters and letting the cerebral sound of people calling in and the zombie apocalypse happening through auditory means. Yeah. But 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 I have never in my life before Train to Busan or after seen another zombie film that I felt the broad array of human emotions and I don't cry that often. I think I cried in Bambi and Train to Busan. You know what I mean? Like, I that is amazing to me. And I just it, it's, and I get it. Ah, oh, fuck. Fuck me. No, no, no It's
2: good. I, I get what you're saying. Just like oh. my, my one last thing that I really kind of want to throw out there is the fact that, you know, something something that they put in a film in Pontypool is, is so incredible that, yes, I mean, besides sort of like this, this sort of like auditory virus being the thing that creates the zombies. And then you can literally sort of like rewire someone's brain with vocalizations. Super cool. But they get into the fact that there is the sign and then there's the meaning behind the sign and divorcing those two things can be absolutely dangerous and catastrophic. You know, it's just a little—it's just a little insight. But when you really start to dig into the implications of that and the profundity of that, it's massive. It is massive. It is a huge yeah, idea. Yeah. It's very cool, much yeah. cooler than your—you know—you know—as much as as evocative as Trinity Busan can be. Like, I just think that's too important to pass on. Yeah, um a, So is, that's my that's a, my piece. Is all.
1: There is a deconstructive element. I I I don't think Pont. I'm going to disagree with Jim and say that Pontypool is not a postmodern film. I think it's right. I think there's some deconstruction going on, but I think when you actually parse everything out it's a very modernist film. It is. Um, yeah. But so what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my vote to Pontypool to make this a coin toss. Because I want this to be up. So am I right in saying that it's 2-2 two, two, if I change
0: to Well, Yeah, Yeah. it's 2-2 if you change to Pool, but there's five-minute arguments that should be done. But I guess we just did those five-minute arguments. Yeah, Yeah, let's skip that, and I
1: want to get—oh my god, I feel so good about myself giving this to Chance, because either of these going through, I'm happy.
0: Let's do that. Um, I, 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 well, yeah. you gotta give me a second because I didn't do the uh seedings of these because I <laughs> thought it was uh while you were arguing, I thought it was three one and I just didn't have to do fucking seedings. I will say this.
3: Uh this is my oh. this is my oh, daughter's oh. favorite horror movie of all time.
2: Uh 20%. and I, I think
3: yeah, this is, this is my daughter's favorite horror movie of all time. She loves the zombie genre. She's read all the Walking Dead stuff and gets mad at the show because she's a, you know, a hardcore, uh, you gotta do it right, uh, you can't kill Carl, um, you know, crazy zombie head. But uh, the thing that made this stand out to all the other zombie movies and all the other zombie shows was You're talking about heart.
0: Train to Busan right now, right? Yeah.
3: Is that, that it had heart. It had heart. And zombie movies rarely have heart. Uh, zombie movies are usually about, oh, we're all mindless, brainless idiots, and this is a metaphor for our society today. This one was like, I'm going to get absorbed into this monster, and I'm sorry I have to leave you. And that is so heartbreaking uh, to lose a father figure, you know? And, and I think that that can be relatable to a lot of people. So. But
1: did, did Train to Busan have this, though, Shaira? mrs french's cat is missing we've all seen the posters but nobody's seen honey the cat you know i don't know i would have been i would have been much more
0: noah if that was his radio voice and his real voice was like and hi how's it going like that was (laughs) how (laughs) you kisses kill kisses kill but yes mrs cat (laughs) yeah like that uh all right uh are we flipping let's flip We're flipping. Pontypool is higher. Pontypool is heads. It is flipping now. And it is... Fuck my life. It is heads.
1: Pontypool. Oof. That's going to be rough. That may be a controversial one for our audience. I feel like Trini Buston is... I think
0: that's... Yeah. Yeah, uh... Tastes good. I did this. I made this. I'm not...
1: I'm happy with this. I'm happy with this. Well...
0: <laughs> Look what you did! Uh, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> hey I Noah, said- do you want to shenanigans your own win? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate. Uh, Shayra. no. Okay. All right. God damn. Do I want- no, I don't want to. I'm
1: not. Oh my god, do. were you actually thinking of using your shenanigans for this? Holy shit! Yeah a really like, big one for you wow, okay. I
0: really like training Busan in my own in my own uh bracket like it was training in Busan versus Jaws. so um all right uh pool moves on then all right our next uh we're moving down to the next uh bracket and we have come and see versus ravenous Ben you get the first vote this time what do you say um
2: this one I think is pretty easy for me I'm gonna go with come and see Shara
3: uh yeah, this one's obvious. It's come and see.
0: I'm at come and see as well, Noah. I'm ravenous. All right. <laughs> nope. You have one minute.
1: Uh so look, I war movies. Uh, I I don't know what it is. they don't I I have no connection point, no way I I don't feel I don't it's the genre and me don't mix very well. Um I, I I'm not entirely sure why. I I'm not devoid of human emotion. I can see the I can empathize. I I I'm not entirely a, a psychopath. Um but uh Ravenous is uh Ravenous I think do I I mean do I really want to do this argument? I don't know if this is a hill to die on for me. I think ultimately Ravenous is one of those movies that like, I can watch rap. I don't, but see, this is maybe a point for come and see. Is I can watch Ravenous more than once. I feel like I only want to see come and see once. And I don't know if that's just because of what's in come and see, some of the terrifying shit that's in the movie, or if it's just because Ravenous is a better movie. I haven't really thought about this lo- hard enough. Um, but war movies don't really, don't really hit me. And even if they have really important things in them, it really existentially heavy and weighty things. I'm not entirely sure what it is. I I don't know. So, I Ravenous seems to have all the other things that I love about a a horror movie and then maybe we can get into all of those things. But yeah, I I I don't know. Any switches?
0: Nope.
1: Ah, uh, uh, come and see. All right.
0: Come and see it moves on. All right. So now the next <laughs> bracket. The this is one where I got to get ready for my arguing cigarette. Uh, creep two versus bug
2: uh ben oh man i mean i uh, this one this one i feel like there are a lot of similarities i yes. weirdly enough weirdly enough i feel like they're incredibly in fact i don't i don't know if you would really call bug mumblecore but i mean just like the the level the scope of the film is just so incredibly similar maybe it's just something about two people being confined to a small space and sort of exploring each other's psychology is really you know maybe that's what it is um and I'll give it to Bug, like it's actually, it's pretty interesting, it is it is fairly interesting, and when you really think about it, yes, I mean, it feels a lot like a stage play to me, um, I, I don't necessarily think that really counts off of it, but I don't know how well that translates into a, like a good full-length feature film. I, I don't know something about it the the aesthetic of it just like the feeling it maybe it's too clear cut between the acts right so like you have the introduction and you have you you think there's one story going on and you have this sort of bad news boyfriend and the new guy and then this woman who has trouble that she needs to like this this trauma that she needs to work through and it's really interesting from that perspective but then it evolves into this other thing and by the end you've got like foil lining this entire hotel room and it's gone in a totally different direction than I expected so maybe it's you know, for instance, like our other temper, like our, our co-host that comes in sometimes in some episodes, Garrett, he, he says that what he really wants to see in a movie is unpredictability. Like he doesn't want to be able to see around the corner. I feel like with this one, there's too much of that. It's like it's so it, it, it feels unpredictable to the point of disjointedness because there's such clear jumps between each act um, whereas with Creep 2 it's it's this really interesting sort of cohesive story um, and while it is sort of like on that same level of production um, I think I think it's more interesting just because you get far more of just like this this consistent character story that doesn't seem to just jump off the rails with extremity. Um, and so I don't know I think I think that is going to be my initial. I imagine this is going to go to a debate, and we'll be talking about it more. But I think for now, I'm gonna have to go with creep two on this one. Shara.
3: Both of these are a one on one relationship about should you trust this other person? And they both involve a very indie vibe. We're stuck in one area. We're stuck at, like, one point in time. This doesn't span long periods of time. They're very, very similar-ish in in a lot of their aspects. Uh, Toxic relationships are a very real thing that everybody deals with the horror of at least once in their life. If you haven't, wow, count yourself fucking lucky. But uh, most people have some toxic relationship with somebody. And this bug does a really good job at showing what a toxic relationship looks like with a a little added horror element to it. Creep 2 is about meeting new people. And can you trust meeting new people? And and, uh, then it gets a little bit more absurdist as it goes along, which we love about Creep. That is just great. And Creep 2 is so much better than Creep. I didn't even think that was possible for a sequel like that to do that. It's so cool. Um, But I'm going to vibe with Bug. On this, because uh, there's way too much stuff that I relate to in Bug, uh, and not that's a personal thing, of course. But I relate to it so much more than Creep Two, but I love Creep Two. It's some fantastic acting. It's some fa- fantastic moments. Uh, but Bug, I actually have recommended it to many of my friends because of situations they're in. It's very, uh, it's a very good metaphor for. Life stuff. So uh I'm gonna give it to Bug.
0: Noah?
1: Creep two by landslide.
0: Okay. Um so uh we are debating and uh I will obviously take Bug. Uh I you know, I, I didn't give my vote, but I think it's obvious to like everybody and their mother. Uh creep creep two to. for Jim. Let's
1: yeah, move right. forward.
0: Um yeah. uh so Ben, do you wanna go toe-to-toe?
2: Uh Either way, I mean, if no wants to take or this no. one, I, I'll, I'll take
1: I, I'll take some of this. I feel like I have a dog in this fight. Okay, great, Do you want great,
0: to cool? Do you want to be the main champion for this then? Sure. All right. Um. So, but I am going to try and convince Ben, uh, based upon some of the things that he uh, he said. So, uh, okay. Um, so I'm going to bring up one of Ben's points real quick, and he talked about the act breaks, and this is, like, the structural issues with uh, Bug are the things that he's brought up most often. I don't know exactly what you brought up, Noah, but um, if you take a look at that on the second viewing or if you study it the way I did when I had to fucking direct the thing, um, the the movements between those those act breaks are not as... Uh, not as big of jumps as I think you're making them out to seem, because they seed the uh, the codependency of Agnes very early on. Um, her relationship with Goss is seeded, and so it shouldn't come as much of a surprise that when she attaches to another person after that brilliant moment when she looks at RC, don't you see that she's he's the only one for me? He's my only one that I can care about. Like that one moment is seeded previously and then after that, we know what type of person Michael Shannon's character is and we know, uh, like I don't think it's too much of a jump to see her go from where she is at the beginning, this sort of uh, smoking, crack smoking um, person stuffed away in a hotel room, aggrieved by her son to I am the super mother bug! Like, I don't think that's as much as what you're making it out to be. And as for the act breaks, look, it was originally a play, and uh creep two was originally an improv exercise. So I can see that it's an in, an improv exercise when I watch Creep Two, and I can see that it's a play when uh when I watch Bug. I get that, but the fact is that Bug is a a play is a a, a accepted form of of uh filmmaking it's an accepted form like it's i i feel like those two points sort of cancel each other out when you're talking about the uh both the structural issues and in terms of seeing the act breaks in the in the thing and actually it's it's only a two-act play so um you're more seeing scene breaks than you're seeing anything else all right noah previously you were talking about how the um impetus the catalyst when we were arguing uh climax versus bug you were saying that the the catalyst doesn't matter and i'm saying it absolutely fucking does the catalyst is at the heart of what this artist is saying about these relationships and what the artist is saying is that love can be the thing that ruins us and if you don't feel that in your life Good for you. A lot of people do. Love can be the thing that gets inside of you and becomes a parasite. And that's what Bug is saying. And it's it's profound. It's important. And it's a much wider reach of a film than Creep 2. And I'll also put the performances of Ashley Judd, Michael Shannon, Harry Connick fucking Jr. of all people up against Mark Duplass and uh, the other lady uh, whose name I can't remember right now. I'll let you talk since you've got two minutes left.
1: Okay. Well, I, I may need a little longer than two minutes. But um, so to your response that codependency is seated from the beginning, that seems. I mean, that's it. That's all that matters. That it's seated from one per. At, be, because one person is. Oh, he's my only. Early in the film, that that somehow connects the dots between the he's level ar- of code.
0: The level of arguing- codependency. He's arguing that the structural that there are structural problems within the film and so I am combating wow. that by saying yeah. no gotcha. there are not structural pro- problems in the film since it's seated from the beginning
1: regardless regardless of that's the starting point of your conversation your your argument your counter to him is that you think it's a sufficient argument to say that the codependency is simply seated with Ashley Judd and her initial interaction with the fir- with Harry Connick Jr. but that's cheap. There's no investing in fleshing out one from the other. I mean, we've done films that do that so much better. We've done, I mean, it's not just Creep. I, creep, is a, is not meant, creep is not meant to do that. Creep 2 is not meant to do that. Creep 2 is a very different monster. But let's think of films that we've done in this podcast that do that thing in bug better.
0: Let the right you one You better in. argue that too because otherwise yeah, well, you're, well, you're putting I, I love, something else on the other bracket uh, against no, this one and that's well, cheating. Me,
1: no, 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 no. First off, it's not cheating. Cheating, well, would be, uh, it's, cheating, would be, cheating would be, I, I run this podcast, Creep 2 wins. That's cheating. <laughs> uh, I, and I'm not doing that. And I'm not doing that. But no, let, hear me out. So your thing is, hey, look, um, here's how to solve this structural problem. See, in the beginning of this movie, a certain thing is seeded. And my response is to say, but that's not enough. That's not enough. It's not enough to just go, oh, look, like, I mean, we could see at the beginning because of this one little thing, she's codependent. There's no fleshing out of the ins and outs of that codependency. That's important in a horror film. That's Are important you... in a horror film where everything ends with foil. Like, to get from point A to point B to point C to point E requires nuance. And I don't think Bug has that. You know, you said um, love, has... and love can be the thing that ruins us. And you're right. But we got that way better in Midsommar. We got that way better and let the right one in, right? Now, why I think Creep, so in other words, the thing that you're saying is this important part of Bug, I think is done poorly. And we've done other films that do it better. Now, with regard to Creep 2, not only is Creep 2 a mumble Korean masterpiece, one of the things that nobody has mentioned is that it's also a midlife crisis for a serial killer. What other films do you know of that do that, that have that it's stuff? It's,
0: Okay, so you're introducing new aspects into the argument after your time has stopped. But oh, fair well, enough. You
1: gave we'll me two minutes! I, you gave <laughs> me, like, one minute! You gave me one I feel like this back and forth deserves some... I mean, I, like, I feel like we sure. should... I feel like we... I think you and I, especially considering this is your baby, should have maybe a little more of a back and forth, but I'll, I'll stop there. I mean, I'm fine. Yeah. Stopping I mean, there. it's
2: a, I, it's
0: a midlife uh, crisis for a serial killer. And I could just say that was better in, done in house. The Jack built, uh, if we're going to argue different movies on the, uh, the bracket for it's better. I, than, I will. I, I will it, leave it's it's not necessarily I the
2: same. Yeah. Yeah. I I, 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 let me, let me just get like two, two seconds in here. Like one thing that I definitely want to say is like, whenever I talk about the structural issues, I get what you're saying. There is some seating and I'm a fan of seating. I really enjoy that. I think it's an important technique as you've, I think you've called it film 101 in the past, actually, is having like that sort of that tie together. Um, I, I can't get lost in that movie, man. Like, you know, in Creep Two, I feel like I really get absorbed in that story and I'm watching it like and I'm engaged. It's it's too chopped up. And in bug, it's it's too choppy. Like I can't lose myself in that. But more than that. With the codependence, I actually I feel like that's the biggest detraction from my score because what we see is this this vulnerable woman sort of get sucked into this man's bullshit, and she is destroyed because of that. Whereas we see the exact opposite with Creep Two, where we have this strong female protagonist who beats him at his own game. And Quite Flanker, I just I, I like that story better. I don't know. It's, All yeah, right, I like that Bug. story better.
0: Bug is the higher seated. That means it's heads.
1: Wait, wait, did Sh- wait a minute? Did Shayra change her mind?
3: I hate you guys. I hate you guys. Don't put this on me. <laughs> I don't like it. I like both of these ideal. movies. Here's the thing, I like both of these movies. Neither of them are my favorite at all. And that's a different problem than Requiem versus Donnie Darko, right? It's the opposite it's the opposite. I'm like, yeah, they're they're both movies. You can also it based both. on
0: the arguments.
1: Shira, Mark Duplas's penis. Mark, you get to see penis. that.
0: That's Ashley Judd's crazy. boobs. I don't know. I, do we really have to do this?
3: Ooh, <laughs> I like both dick and boobs. This is very hard. Hmm. I mean,
0: um. I won't I <laughs> win. I, I will actually, I would rather lose bug than win (laughs) on ashley judd's boobs this is exactly what the me too movement was arguing against Uh, um
3: i I see what ben is saying when he says that creep 2 has a, a more feminist bend to it but the reality is a lot of women do get stuck in very toxic relationships that it may seem on the surface like why are they doing this they could just leave no they can't and actually i posted about this on my social media. But uh, a lot of times what happens when women try to leave abusive relationships is they end up dead. And that is just a a very real fact that everybody needs to face. Women who try to leave these uh, relationships end up dead. But not only that, uh, there is an actual addiction. It's not love. That is not the addiction. That is not the addiction at all. Um, It's having someone control you and manipulate your mind. And I I, I do want to point this out. This is very important. This is a very real issue. And I know I'll probably get hate from some. Uh, men's rights activists or whatever. But this is a very real issue. This is how women die. This is how women die. This is how fucking women die. I'm telling you right now. This is one of the main issues in our country. Right now it's the same in England. Women trying to escape these kinds of relationships. Die. And... Um, I I try to do my part in helping him.
0: But yeah.
3: It's uh, for me, this is one of those things where, you know, okay. Yeah. There's, there's other movies that do this whole falling in love is toxic thing, but this is actually more along the lines of abuse. This is not love. This is about addiction and it is a, a kind of addiction. Most people won't acknowledge. We talked about Requiem of a Dream being about addiction. This is about addiction too. There is a form of addiction to the abuse to the control, to the person being very harmful to you. It occurs in real life. And I don't know how to explain it unless you've experienced it. And I've been that friend. I I talked about this in the podcast when we did bug. I've been that friend that was in bug who was like, what are you doing? And I've been cut out. I've been cut out um, from many of my friends and they have ended up in very, very bad places. And it's, I don't know, maybe it just hits me more because of stuff I've experienced, Um, You know, maybe a movie could be done better about this. I don't know. But it's definitely unique in that it talks about this not being love, but being an addiction to abuse. And that's a lot of people cannot comprehend that. Why would anyone be addicted to abuse? It's very confusing to some people, but it's actually a thing. And uh, it brings up a thing that most people won't ever talk about. So for me, p- comparing it to Bugs, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. You're like, I know I shouldn't be here. This is bad. Everything's bad. But I'm stuck here and I just can't leave. It's um, not something I've ever seen in any horror movie ever. I've never seen anything like it. I've never heard of anything like it. I've never heard anybody talk about it. And, you know, we talk about the Me Too movement with the boobs and the dick. This is this goes beyond the Me Too movement to... Uh, Women are being killed in our country every single day from men like this. And you can look at the statistics. It's more than once daily. Every day. And and no one's talking about it because they're like, oh, men are abused too. Tell me their numbers where they're dying. Tell me their numbers where they're getting killed. Tell me the numbers with the murder suicides. It is not there. You will see it with women. And for this... I feel like it's a necessary story for me as a woman and for me as a person who helps women in these situations. I know it sounds like I'm making a very emotional response and I don't expect you guys to be moved by it because you are, we are talking about a film here. But it is for me something that's necessary and I would love for someone to do it better. This problem, I would love for someone to do it better. Please feel free to do it, Jim. Maybe you could do it. Um, I don't know, but
1: uh, <laughs> we, have, we haven't seen I direction of Bug. A- I would love to see that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I would mm-hmm. love
3: to see your direction of Bug. I bet wow. it's. I bet it m- makes more sense being on a stage and being in theater. I'm sure if we would have seen what you did and compared that to Creep Two, I almost guarantee every single one of us would be.
1: Now, backing. my 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 understanding is that Jim actually shows Mark Duplass's penis in his version
0: of Bug. <laughs> I
1: don't know if that's accurate.
0: Um but yeah. I I mean Michael Shannon's penis is kind of in there as well, but whatever. Uh any vote changes? Shara's bug.
2: Oh, oh man. Um, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and switch on this one actually. Oh, yeah. Man. Shara
1: I'm got so me. I'm so losing on this. Okay. All right.
2: Shara, I
0: you are awesome. All right.
3: Remember this when it. Bug goes up against Come and See. <laughs> Wait a minute.
0: Wait a minute. Hold on. You know, not... you know what I'm gonna choose, Shayra. I, mean, I know. We Just will remember,
3: remember when I go against this that I love bug in some ways. Okay. I, know. I defend gonna... it so much.
1: And I, I know I'm you defend
3: gonna... come and see. I know you defend come and see, but you know, know. This is gonna get ugly. You guys know that one ugly. I voted ugly. for
0: it. I voted for come and see twice.
3: Yeah, and, and I vote for bug most okay, so this and is you
0: voted for you bug. guys
3: are you guys are gonna be like Let's just let Jim and Shira work this out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Shira and Jim. It'll be the Shira and Jim fight when we go to Bug versus Oh no, it's gonna be,
3: be bad. All right.
1: Bug beats Two. I am dead. I'm dead I am dead inside.
0: Ouch. Well, you don't have a shenan- well, yeah, you can't even uh can't even shenan- I
1: totally wasted my shenanigans like a
0: round one, like a dumbass. So yeah. You did on uh, climax versus bug too. Bug Damn is- it i'm trying to
1: get bug right? out of there damn it god it's not working
0: <laughs> all right let's see what we got now uh this might put uh this might unite shayra and me again uh clockwork orange versus through a glass darkly uh all right ben you go first
2: i i really kind of hate this round shit like it's it's tough every single matchup is is really almost a toss-up um yeah, I mean, Through a Glass Darkly is, is really good. Ingmar Bergman is obviously a master. I, I think there's a lot about it that I really enjoy. And again, like there are scenes in this where just the composition of the scene is moving and artistic. Um, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, just really cool. Uh, it's iconic, uh, cult classic.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, I really don't, I really don't care about. <laughs> I, maybe Kubrick in this film I guess like I, I don't know I think he's like way too overhyped I really don't give a shit like he's he's good I don't know if he's like really that good he is pretty good um I mean the story in itself is really interesting uh, I don't know fuck the story <laughs> the story in Three Glass starkly is just so much more like is it I don't know is it more down to earth like I, I'm trying to find my argument I honest I promise I spent time thinking about this before we actually came into this, and I just really didn't come up with a clear answer. Um, it's hard. I'm right there yeah. with you for
1: some of these. It's really hard.
2: I think I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with my gut on this one and just go through Through a Glass Darkly, honestly. I think that's what's going to get my vote. Shayra?
3: Um, as much as I appreciate Through a Glass Darkly for what it is, uh, Clockwork Orange was one of those films where I, I watched it and it changed my life. And this is another one of my top five of all time. So yeah, whatever. But this changed my life. It messed me up so much. And I know that it may seem cliche now, nowadays, uh, having a protagonist that is so absolutely fucking evil and relating to such an evil character. It seems so overdone now, but it was novel for its time. It was very novel for its time. And it's based on a great book, which I read, Uh, that introduced an entire new way of talking and a whole new language uh, that was very well thought out. Um, And it was talking about our society and what it is to be young and what a coming of age really is like. It's absolute chaos. It is really hard and weird and absurd. And all these other people want to act like it's, oh, I'm growing up and I've become a man. No, that's not actually what reality is. Those are lies that are fed to you. Society's bizarro, and uh, and in a way, Through a Class Darkly does that too. You know, growing up is weird, and what the fuck is happening? Then, then, weird shit starts to happen. There is some correlation between these two, which makes things difficult. But with A Clockwork Orange, the performance that's done by by the guy who plays Alex, uh, what is it, Ma- Malcolm, Malcolm
0: McDowell? Malcolm McDowell.
3: Fucking amazing performance there uh and the visuals the the uh, clothes the music uh everything the eyes clamped open there's so many amazingly fucked up things that messed my head up this is still a stone in my shoe and I watched it so long ago I have to put it to that because I still am disturbed by scenes that I've seen a million times over and it says so much about our society uh whereas through a glass darkly is like yeah uh some of us have mental health issues okay I'm trying not to downplay it too much but come on like seriously Uh, comparing the two it just doesn't make sense to me and I know it sounds like I'm being a bitch but I don't really care like uh, they're not comparable in my mind at all and I know you guys are ready to beat me up about it, but I just, I I'm can't. <laughs> I can't. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're ready to do battle soon.
0: Well, I am uh, I am clearly on the side of Clockwork Orange for all of the reasons Shaver said and because I don't poo-poo cu- Kubrick. Well, <laughs> welly, 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 well. Noah, what do you have to say, my Drew? Yeah.
1: You know, that was the sexiest British accent I think I've ever heard, Jim but uh, I uh, other than bond other than bond no yours is better um, I appreciate I, I, that, yeah yeah truly um, I I don't have a big dog in this fight I I, I, I love both of these movies I, I love a clock record and a, and sort of the social stuff going on in there that I think Shayra hit on a head perfectly um, and I love uh, through a glass darkly which I think has Larger themes, but I'm I'm sort of shooting myself in the foot because I feel like I'm saying that when there's films that I like more. But I also un, I also am kind of quick to say, well, you know, just because it has bigger themes doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better movie. I like movies that are honed in on. So I feel like I'm I'm using that a little too abruptly. Um, if I'm if I'm honest, I think at in the at the end of the day, Through a Glass Darkly is is something that left a stone in my. But we're going to use the metric of stone in your shoe for this for me and i think through a glass darkly left a more thorough and thorny stone in my shoe between between my toes so i'm going to give this to through a glass darkly
0: okay so that's two two clockwork versus through a glass darkly um i can not do you want to argue clockwork Shayra? Or
3: i think you I should i think i think we should do it cuz i've argued rear, rear window and so now this will be interesting uh.
0: Oh, as I as I take one of your babies.
3: Yes. <laughs> let's see how we handle each other's babies. At All this right. point, who's, let's make uh, it equal.
0: <laughs> who's doing? Who's doing through a glass? Yeah, I
1: I'm op- I don't really have a dog in this fight. I'm open. Yeah,
0: can, to, I'm. I'm more I open. I can do this one.
2: Okay. I can do this one. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Five minutes starts now. Uh, yeah, in your opening, Ben, you talked, you kind of poo pooed Kubrick, and I don't think that's fair, considering some of the shots in this uh, in this film. It is iconic. Um, all of the lighting design, and set design, and camera work, and cinematography that you get in a Clockwork Orange, uh, that you get in through the, through a Glass Darkly, you get some similarly uh, amazing. Uh, work by Kubrick in A Clockwork Orange. I mean, you've got the the milk bar and that slow push in where all of the mise-en-scene of the the bar sort of informs the character's inner journey you get those really creative bits with the speeded up uh, sex scene you get um the iconic bit with uh the iconic shot of malcolm mcdowell with his eyes uh pried open i mean i think when you specifically talk about the cinematography you were doing uh, clockwork orange well uh, through glass darkly is good Uh, you're doing Clockwork Orange a disservice if you dismiss it. Not only that, we're talking about higher themes going on in a Clockwork Orange. This is not just about... Uh, a character's inner journey and mental illness as uh, Through a Glass Darkly sort of hones in on. But Clockwork Orange is also about the power of the government and the power of free will. And to discount the the fact that Clockwork Orange is reaching higher I think is a mistake. Clockwork Orange is a more impactful, more well, more long-lasting film that is reaching for higher themes than Through a Glass Darkly is.
2: Well, I mean, all of that stuff is is interesting and good, but I think, uh, and I believe it was Anthony Burgess who was the author of this, but like all, all, all the stuff that you're saying that's interesting about the content of the film really came from him. You know, Kubrick like, really didn't add any of that. And yeah, I mean, like he has some good shots and the music is good and all of that. And there, it, it truly is iconic, but I think what I'm really looking for here beyond just the content that he didn't create is like what he really sort of added to that and what that causes to to have like sort of staying power for this film now i mean i do want to say yes Uh, i think um I think Bergman was reaching a little bit higher here because like what we're really seeing isn't just about mental illness, of course, but it really is a tale about interpersonal connections, how sort of like love becomes like a, maybe a cure-all, but how that's also a little bit of a cynical message given divine hiddenness. Um, and a lot of these deeper philosophical problems that I think humanity has been dealing with for thousands of years. Yes, I mean, the the government thing is really interesting and it's, it's quite interesting and in talking about free will and all of that. But again, that's really not sort of like unique to the film um you know i don't know i mean like i'm i'm impressed with it i think it's really really quite good but ultimately when i think about who was the better director i think that goes to bergman who reaches higher in terms of the the themes that sort of leave a stone in my shoe that also goes to bergman and who added something that was sort of like unique to the horror genre that also goes to bergman because this wasn't kubrick's story
0: Sure, but you're dismissing the author when you talk about the movie, and that's a mistake. I mean, just because Kubrick had a collaborator doesn't mean that it's any less of a film. A commitment to auteur theory, like you have, mm-hmm. is uh, it, it? It's not. It's not. Ne- it's discounting the fact that film is a collaborative art. Um, a commitment to auteur theory to the degree that you do, I think, is a little. Um, Disingenuous to those uh, to the films that are not produced by auteurs. Just because it's an auteur makes it a better movie. I don't think that's true. No, no, I I
2: I, wouldn't. I I wouldn't necessarily argue that exactly. I'm just saying that. I mean, whenever we are thinking about the originality, there are a couple of points that go in Bergman's favor. Again, like it's it's very close. I think both of them are great. One just sort of ekes ahead a little bit because there is a greater degree of originality in the story.
0: One created a world. Kubrick and one found a world that uh, reflected the one that he was trying to uh, show on screen. And I, I think those are two vastly different things. And if you're going to give originality points, you should give it to Kubrick. Not only that, we haven't talked about the ending of Through a Glass Darkly in which it's basically said that God is love. How cliche is that? Mm. That's the thing that brings uh, Through a Glass Darkly down. God is love that i've
2: seen that on a bumper sticker yeah I've, i mean like i've that, seen
1: that. i've seen golden cocks on bumper stickers
2: uh, yeah I, and I, again like uh, kubrick he didn't create that word like all of that was really sort of described within the book and he just sort of shot it in an interesting way set design like yeah i'm sure he had some set designers he had some music people he had some some camera workers you know i mean like yeah he sort of like pointed and said let's let's do this thing that i do in every single one of my films and that's going to be kind of interesting is
0: a collaborative art
3: All right, I need to say this. Holy fuck. (laughs) Do you guys realize how much went into just the costume design alone of A Clockwork Orange? That was not a fucking thing that he was just like, oh, let's put a codpiece on him. That motherfucking shit took months of fucking planning and trying on a billion different outfits. There was a lot put into it. It wasn't just like he read a book and stole all the ideas. There was very much originality in there. The the eyelash thing. Uh, you know, picking out which eyelashes to use. There was so much weird nuances that went into every detail, every aspect of that film with the weird modern furniture and the bizarro fucking angles of people's faces going, like, it was very, very thought of and orchestrated. And this is my argument with Hitchcock too. Very orchestrated shit. Um, But, like, I I get what you guys are saying with Bergman. I get it. I I like Bergman too, but this was not his best. And this is Kubrick's arguably best. Sorry, that wins for me. And I I, I hope you guys understand why I have to go with that. Um, Noah? Yeah.
1: No, this just kind of made me appreciate Through Glass Darkly, I think, a little more. All right. Yeah.
0: Um, So let's see which one is higher seated. I was arguing, so I didn't. uh, I was a Clockwork Orange is higher seated um flipping now is like oh habit. god shara's like oh god oh god it is a clockwork orange heads
2: yeah today is the day of heads for every single coin flip <laughs>
0: Well that was last uh that was last week too. So our last week was all tails. So I yeah. guess. Now mm-hmm. I
1: want to make sure Jim that the flipping app you're using is not tails only last week, heads only this week. <laughs>
0: Jesus. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we have Young Frankenstein a film that Ben chose and Seven Seal, Ben's favorite film of all time. What is Ben going to
2: choose? Oh yeah, it's Seven Seal obviously. Ben's, I'm not even going to joke Ben's, about it.
0: Ben's like Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> uh Shera, 7 Seal?
3: Uh, yeah, 7 Seal obviously. That's Bergman's best, obviously.
0: 7 7 Seal for me as well. Notice I'm voting for 7 Seal. Then I just want you to know that I vote for your film sometimes. Uh Noah
1: 7 Seal, 100%.
0: 7 Seal moves on with an easy 4-0 victory, moving right along to the next of our bracket. We're on the other side, so we change up the voting order again. We have the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and The Shining. Shayra, you're voting first. What do you say?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna. Um, I like both of these films so much. Uh Dr. Caligari's older, so it's you know, I'm I don't know if everybody would be able to follow it as much, but God damn, is it unique. God damn, are those sets amazing. God damn, are the performances outrageously great. And I know that this shit inspired the what is now, like, the modern goth, like, emo kind of look in a lot of the films we all, well, at least I, love. Uh, I don't think there would have been uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas without Dr. Caligari. I don't think that would have ever existed. Um, it, it, invented, it invented a weird goth ex- aesthetic that was, like... It, it's just everywhere now, and I, it's so important. But The Shining is, you know, ah, it's so good, and I love Kubrick. I may have to go away from Kubrick on this one, though, and this shows I'm not a huge Kubrick person all the way, right? <laughs> but I really like Kubrick, and I really like The Shining, but once again, that's not Kubrick's best, and Dr. Caligari was so iconic in what it presented. So I'm gonna probably have to go Caligari on this one.
0: I am going the shining. Noah.:
1: Caligari,
3: 100
2: percent. Ben Yeah, Caligari was a full point ahead of the shining in the in the brackets for me or the the score, so that's what I'm gonna go with. Caligari. All
0: right. Uh, so I've got one minute to change vote. Um, okay, so I will I will give you that Caligari is probably more influential in film general, but in terms of modern film, The Shining might be more iconic and more influential as well. So I, I, in terms of where we are in film now, I think more people are looking back on The Shining than they are on Caligari. Not only that, we've got tremendous performances by Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall. Um, this is a brilliant movie that shows Kubrick's artistry, his ability to take a original idea that is vastly different from the work of art that he is trying to create and create something brand new and beautiful. Not only is it beautifully shot and, and creepily shot with the follow shots around the overlook Hotel, but we also have brilliant imagery like the uh, the twins, the uh, the 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 when everything goes nuts at the end blowjob bear, and the uh, I'm running out of time, the blood running. Out. This is a brilliant movie, and I love it. Okay, uh, did I change anyone's vote?
1: Well, let me say this like, any semblance of originality that you're going to point to in The Shining is just going to be trumped entirely in Caligari, like Caligari one of the most unique films um i think ever made um it's one of the first films where the, there's this the, the depth of the unreliable narrator do you guys remember at the end of caligari he's in the madhouse right like the perspective shifting there at the end is wild the architecture remember the architecture remember the architecture in caligari the angles yes. the way the way angles are shot the way it's lit um everything about it is innovative everything anything that you can point to for kubrick being innovative in in the shining I can match that in Caligari.
0: Well, i that's why I began my argument by stating that even though Caligari might be more influential in the film, in, in film history. But it's uh, not the necessarily is more influential. In that's, that's, that's it's, it's literally why I began my argument that way.
1: Yeah, but it's not so much that it's more influential, I, I think. I just think... I don't know. I I I don't want to get into all my reasons again for why I hate the shining because I feel like that everyone in our everyone in our comment section loves the shining. So I love the shining, you guys. This is so well, hard. Just, uh, this is a hard decision.
0: We'll move on to uh we'll move on to Shayra, see if she changed her vote. I'm pretty sure Ben didn't, but maybe he did. I didn't think so. Shayra, did you uh switch back to your Kubrick love?
3: I I mean I love Kubrick, I really do. And the thing is, is one of the things that Noah and Ben said about Kubrick that kind of got under my skin was the idea that he takes other people's ideas and and you know is borrowing their ideas and and not being creative with it both of the authors from from the shining and from a clockwork orange did not necessarily like his take on things cuz he did make it original and he did make it his own and they were like ooh that's not what i was going for i'm angry now so i i think that's a disservice to him because i believe he did put his own creative bent on it and that's what makes him one of those people that people pay attention to and now you may not like his bent that's fine i like that's a that's a personal uh, take on it and that's fine um, but I do think he is original, and 2001 A Space Odyssey is evidence of this. Uh, he's weird as fuck, and he has bizarre, weird ideas of the way the world should look. That's, that could be the sa- same thing said about Caligari, right? And if you appreciate Caligari, you should appreciate Kubrick to a certain extent with the uh, angles and the sets and the you know beautification of film. And I understand that he's overplayed and, and overput out to all the lists. Uh, that you might ever see, and that can get annoying. You you want to kind of be a, an indie person about stuff and be like, I like some original shit. I get that, but it's, I get it, but I I'm going to say I still go Caligari, but I just want to throw that out there. You have to understand, I stand by Kubrick in a lot of ways, but Caligari is is one of those films that is huge for me. That was my choice of a movie, by the way. That was that was my film so like,
1: okay. like like listen listen Stanley Kubrick is the DJ Khaled of cinema you know oh he, my God he's, no! yeah. Way totally That's far? too far. That's wrong. Too far. Was that too, is far? Right. too far. Maybe the Beyonce. Maybe too the far. Beyonce. Didn't, didn't the Shining? Didn't the Shining start movie. with like DJ Callie? Khal- I remember no, it starting.
0: That way. Really? No,
1: really, no. It, didn't, no. it okay. started with boom. Oh, I thought when Jack Nicholson was like, "I love horror films." It was like DJ Cali, right? That didn't happen. I don't know okay, what version we'll I was just watching. Move on yeah. Yeah. Them.
3: Here's Noah. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's the down vote. We always <laughs> have that ridiculous. moment where
0: there's the downvote. This
1: was That's the, down the down
3: vote. vote, yeah. moment. <laughs> the down vote. Yeah. Noah's so Marvel. wrong.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh Alien versus the Wicker Man. Shera, you go first.
3: Ew. Because um, you, know,
0: you know this one isn't hard at all.
3: <laughs> they're so vastly different. Full core versus fucking space horror, the two like OPs of this shit what um I don't know how you compare these like I'm trying to find a, a a place where they match there's definitely some feminism you know intermingled in 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 both of these maybe but very different aspects of it
1: stone in your shoe let's go with that metric whenever you're whenever you're scratching I your really head
3: left the stone in my shoe holy shit both of them are so fucked um uh, Alien has amazing sets. Uh, the, the stuff that went into the sets, uh, you, the aliens itself, the, the artistry behind Alien is... Oh, God. But then Wicker Man. <laughs> That's so good. Like, uh, y- you know, the end scene is... is Even when you know what's going to happen, you, you're like, holy shit. Amazing performances. Uh, fuck, I think I'm going to have to go gut on this because... Honestly, I could go either way, and, like, we'll see where we all lie. Um, I'm gonna go with Alien on this, because I am a huge fan of that franchise. I, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Alien for me as well. Noah? This is one of the, this is one of the harder ones. Uh, definitely one of the harder ones. Um, fuck. Uh, Full Core, the beginning of good Full Core, the thing that got me kind of into Full Core. I mean, even fairly recently, um... You know, I, I hadn't seen The Wicker Man until it was brought up in this podcast. Um, fucking amazing movie, but Alien, my God, Alien is Alien is horrifying. Let's get back to the, the horror podcast part of this. Like, I mean, Wicker Man is really horrifying too, but Alien it hits me in a different way that lasts that lasts longer. It uh, I've had nightmares about Alien. I've not had nightmares about Wicker Man, so Alien takes it for me.
2: Ben. Yeah, if you want to talk about something interesting and unique that a director brings to a fucking movie, let's talk about Alien. That's how you make a real interesting set design. Uh, that's gonna be my vote there. It is difficult. I really love The Wicker Man, um, but I think yeah, Alien. Alien moves on with a four. I, mar-
3: I just want to give some some. I love that Wicker Man has creepy people in costume with face masks on. That shit fucks me up. That did scare me so much. And little kids involved in the fucking shenanigans. No. Those are two uh, very high up there. Ad don't don't put Shayra in that situation. But... Yeah, I mean, alien. It's it's fucking alien, you know. Of course, so, it's alien. It's fucking
1: I, I just, alien. That's yeah. all just, it needs to be I wanna, said. I I
3: want to give a shout because, like, you know, I, I do feel like Wicker Man is scary. It really is, truly horrifying for me. I there were t- parts where I was like, yeah, hiding under a blanket, <laughs> like, ew.
1: This I is just like where it gets it. really hard, right, in this podcast, where it's <laughs> right. like is, we're getting down to like, oh my god, these are both so. I feel like I'm good.
3: shitting on a Wicker Man right now, and I'm like, that's not accurate. No.
0: <laughs> Well, yeah. it's uh we've got it it doesn't get any easier um for you. Uh <laughs> it's, it's fine for me. Uh, Silence of the Lambs versus Antichrist. Uh Shayra, you go first. <laughs> Everyone, Shayra's gonna be like, no, no. <laughs>
3: um Okay. Both have iconic openings, but probably that goes to Antichrist. They both are pretty iconic though. I like I like the the woman running alone. You know, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do something for myself. It puts the whole character out there. But the Antichrist opening is like, this is the plot. This is what's going to fuck this couple up forever. Great opening. Literally literally fuck them up. Completely fuck them up. Uh, It's hard to pick which opening is is good. Hannibal's so amazing. He's hardly in the movie. And and he makes it. Like, how is that a thing? And the performances from everybody. Everybody in silence of the lambs is so freaking amazing uh it's such a good story there's there's feminism in it there's uh you know the serial killer craze was going on at this time this really solidified the uh white person addiction with serial killers um
0: it uh, (laughs) jumped that i think it's it really jump started that that genre and let me
3: tell you that genre is it's an interesting genre i do watch a lot of movies with that um Antichrist though is so unique and so interesting and so visually fucked and and it blows your mind and it says so much about life and grief and I have never seen a performance where I was like I've been there I've been there when she's crying in the bathroom and and just sobbing and just freaking out I've been there it was so real that was one of the best performances I've ever seen amazing actress um Willem Defoe's. Uh, penis is also very important. Um, I'm going to have to go with Antichrist. Sorry, Jim. <sighs> anyway. All
0: right. I am Silence of the Lambs. Noah.
1: Yeah, this is hard. Uh, so Silence of the Lambs is a way more feminist film, I think. I think in a lot of ways, Antichrist, when we parse it out, is deeply anti-feminist. Um, but like a movie is a lot more than that to me, whether it's feminist or not feminist, it plays a big role. um, But I think ultimately the viscerality and the raw brutality and the experiment of what is explored in Antichrist is far more interesting and horrifying and has lasted me way longer than Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs isn't, really scary to me in the way anywhere near the way antichrist is scary to me viscerally psychologically um antichrist i i love silence of the lambs it's one of those things where not going to shit it by picking antichrist i am not shitting on silence of the lambs or saying that it is a bad movie it is amazing it is a fantastic one of my favorite horror films i have the criterion collection version of it i love silence of the lambs but antichrist left a bigger stone in my shoe and that matters so antichrist
2: Ben? yeah I mean like I I don't think Antichrist is going to be winning any Oscars and if if I'm not mistaken Silence of the Lambs did win best picture right correct I just yep. want to make sure okay um before I yeah, made myself seem foolish I was pretty sure but I just wanted to confirm yeah no I mean like it, it's it's Oscars. clear well it's clear why I, I think it's it's obvious why this thing was an award winner um there there are many good things about it and again like I think I said this during our maybe it was uh during the course of this bracket or even during the podcast where we were talking about it. it's like I I kind of wish with when you have movies like this where one actor seems to stand out and make this sort of like iconic appearance like I want to say well the movie was successful because of that you know it was successful because of Hannibal Lecter but that's not true like that's that's really not true I think the character development in this is really interesting the bad guy is interesting you know Buffalo Bill is a really interesting antagonist and fucking Clarice and is an amazing hero um there's yeah I mean there's not really anything bad I can say about the movie um but I I think Lars von Trier is never going to win any awards because he is so fucking good at delivering horror and I know that's sort of paradoxical to say um, the genre doesn't get a whole lot of love from the Academy and for the most part I think that's fair because a lot in the, of the horror genre is just garbage but not, not his stuff you know I mean like there's it, it has real oomph it has real power um and i agree with everything that's been said about it so far but for that reason yeah i mean obviously i, I picked this one and i'm going to defend my choice and go with antichrist
0: that means i have one minute to convince somebody to switch their vote um okay so a couple things noah you yourself admitted that uh antichrist is a little more anti-feminist than feminist and in that sense i think that Yeah, I mean, the fact that you said, well, a movie is more than just its politics, more than just its... Uh, point of view and I don't necessarily think that that's true I think that uh, if the film overall is saying something that's anti-feminist that it's not something that I can really get behind and vote for when i'm put when it's put against another film that is saying something that i do think is important and necessary not only that a lot of the thing a lot of the issues that you're talking about are saw level gross outs there are there's there's genital mutilation there's a bunch of other stuff. It's not. It's not formula. It's not. It doesn't actually do anything to leave a stone in my shoe, other than make me gag for a moment, it, and other than make me not want to watch any more of Les Van Trier's work. This is deliberately. It's been I, I love. I love your passion, Jim. I
1: I do want to kind of. I I feel like that's a little unfair. Like, you you can't seriously say. I, I, and I want to be clear that this is what you're saying, that if you disagree with the film's politics, that's the central thing you take away from the movie. That's the main thing. That's the no, main thing. No, that's not um... what I'm saying. OK. I think I think,
2: I think we also saw that with your analysis of Joker as well. I mean, I know that's not that doesn't matter to this discussion, but I think that was the same thing with that one. Right. It's like where it's this interesting sort of different film. But because of the politics, you gave it sort of like a middling score.
1: If you're it, not saying that then what are you saying because it seems like that's almost entirely what I heard. Like
0: what no, how, where am I wrong? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when I have to choose between a film that is politically regressive and a poli- and a film that's pr- politically progressive, I'm going to choose the politically progressive one. But it doesn't it, exist in a vacuum, right? Like Regarding like the, Joker, like if you watch that whole video on Jim and Garrett at the movies, we <laughs> plug. Uh, we talk it, about uh, we we talk about how Taxi Driver has the same type of character, and yet that film and in similar types of politics. But I think that film has more of a moral center than Joker does. So it's not just because of its politics. There are a lot of films whose politics I disagree with that I end up liking you know, because of the filmmaking. But I think that when I am put in a position where I have to choose a Progressive politics film versus a regressive politics film. I'm going to choose the progressive politics film.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's why I actually voted for Creep Two over Bug. In fact, because of the uh, the, uh, the the nature, I think of the, the the female protagonists of either film. That being said, I don't think that's a fair characterization of Antichrist here. I don't think it's necessarily regressive. I think what Lars von is doing is just describing a point of view, describing an idea, exploring that idea, putting it forward, and making it uh, sort of like a grotesque work of art. Um, and it's going to be evocative. Well, um, unless and that's,
0: you know... uh, unless has switched her vote, then that means that Antichrist uh, moves on anyway. So, uh, I get my one minute to uh, say one peace. and
3: chaos reigns.
0: <laughs> oh boy! So that's that's. Uh, this, that Jim, means that Jim, Jim I Jim, I
1: do, do want to say that this maybe one. Uh, uh, this may be one of the more interesting. This may be like the central disagreement. I think I have with you is like I. I'm on the boat that a film can be politically regressive, but a conversation piece that provides a separate sort of value that, is, that makes it overall a more interesting and fun experience than just a film to which the politics I agree with. You know, like, I, like it's, it seems to me important to explore... Maybe an anti-feminist film in a particular way, and there's more meat on the bone, as it as it were. There's more things to discuss. There's more rabbit holes to go down. And I think von Trier is a master manipulator in that genre. I think that he does that on purpose. And we've had some of I, like I feel like we've had some of the most fun and interesting and important conversations from movies that may do this than movies that don't. So I don't I don't think you're giving I think that's a little too black and white, a little too 1950s sort of I vibe to me. Don't I, I think don't know.
0: That's fair. I think that's uh I, I think that's sort of straw manning my argument because Yes, it happened. Uh, oh sorry. I was waiting for that. Sorry. Okay.
1: Uh
0: but we we will see what happens when Antichrist goes up against the winner of our next round. No uh, wait a I second. almost clicked silence of the lambs on that thing.
3: <laughs> but wait, wait, wait a second. You do got you guys do realize, uh, we're gonna get hate for picking Antichrist over Silence of the Lambs. Are you guys aware of this?
0: Uh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. yeah I was okay. on the right side of history. I'm, so. just, I'm
3: just letting you know, people. Oh, be like oh my, oh,
2: my God. Oh, Jesus.
3: Why are you
1: making me agree with Jim right now, you guys? That's going to be the comments, Shara. That's going to be the comments on this
3: podcast. <laughs> Don't make
0: me- All right. We shall see what Antichrist uh, does when it goes up against our next matchup, which is Creep versus Midsummer. Uh, Shara, you go first. Midsummer midsummer fairly easily for shara i am also going midsummer noah
1: oh man all right wait a minute before hold on slow down this is happening too quickly
0: uh, <laughs> this is why
1: i wanted creep too to go to the next seed because this may be the end of creep um and that's sad because creep is amazing and yes. it's novel and unique and i love creep and damn but I'm sorry, man, like, Midsommar. Like, I don't care that it came out this year. It is just un-fucking-real. It is so good. Um, and it's, it's, oh God, it's just totally different than Creep in every, in every way. I mean, there there's maybe some connections we could make about trust and, and manipulation. But, I mean, my God, it just seems, I got, I got to go with Midsommar. So, Midsommar, man, that's, that's my choice. But, God, I, Creep is such a good movie. Go see Creep. Go see Creep, but Midsommar wins. Ben?
2: I think I, I mirror Noah's sentiments there. It really does deserve its recognition, but being honest with myself, I think Midsommar wins this one.
0: Midsommar moves on with a 4-0 margin, and now we go into the next bracket, switching up the voting order again. It is Triangle versus Us. I vote for Triangle. Noah? Holy shit, that is surprising.
1: <laughs> Jim, I, this is what I love about you. I, that, I, that shocks me. I really thought you would pick us. Um, this is a hard one. This is, a, this is one of the hard ones for me. If I'm being... Oh, shit, fuck. I, and I, I, I want to pick something that I'm not sure I can really argue. I feel like if I try to argue the movie I'm going to choose, I'm going to argue myself out of it. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm going to go with Triangle.
0: Uh, ben.
2: I don't think this is going to be nearly as difficult of a choice for me. Um, Triangle was really interesting, but I got, I got to go with us on this one. And I think part of it is just because I'm really loving this trend where we see interpretive dance used in sort of like interesting offbeat films. Um, And obviously we see it here. Uh, We saw it in climax Uh, again, going back to Joker. Actually, I thought it's, you should, Joker was quite brilliant. Um, Yeah. I don't know, man. There's any director that can pull that off. Um, uh, gets extra points in my book. But obviously, I mean, this one's going to win over it for multiple reasons. Uh, not just that, but I-, I think that's a major one. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm going with us. Shayra.
3: One of the things that is starting to draw me into certain films that are coming out today is that their genre is mixed. And it's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to Korean film and Korean television Originally, and it's starting to seep over into the Western world, which is so great. There's horror elements. There's comedy elements. There's all different kinds. Of, I mean, fuck the police is in us. That's funny as fuck. You laugh your ass off. But you also are fucking terrified. And you find out they're munching on, like, raw rabbit down there. And, like, oh, my God, there's so many crazy elements to us. I have to go with us just because although I like Triangle i like the uniqueness of it um it it just doesn't stick with me the way us does and i really do like the genre merging that's happening with film today that it just it makes me happy inside it's a personal preference probably but i love it
0: Hmm. all right no it's uh you and me versus ben and shayra do you want me to go ahead and take this since you were kind of on the fence
1: Yes. I reserve the right to potentially hop in, but I think you may have more of a dog in this fight than I do because this is, this is actually
0: really hard for me. Okay. Uh, who is taking us?
1: Just both of them.
3: <laughs> I mean, double team. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: double, double. Um,
3: how, this? how about you guys ben, like, so uh, all nuts, say...
0: I'll, I'll go against bet again. So. How uh, about we all
3: just say a piece on this one? I think this one is... Uh... Okay. I think Noah is a little from on
0: the fence, so
1: I'll uh... do my piece last. last?
3: Yeah, yeah. How about Noah talks last?
1: Yeah. Let me hear what you guys I think. Think. Like, I do, do think. Do do some talking? Yeah. Do some like one or two minute talking, and let me. I yeah. This is interesting for me.
0: Okay. Um. I'm gonna start with. So this is uh this is one minute a piece, and we'll go in the original mm-hmm. voting order. Um. Except Noah, you want to go last, so. We'll go in the adjusted original voting order, skipping over you, going to Ben, Shayra, and then you close out. Uh, One minute apiece, uh, just as we did last time. Okay, Um, so... Ben, I think that you you care most about the metaphor. And so I understand why you like us, but us is a purely metaphorical film. As soon as you start taking it apart realistically, it falls apart. Uh the like, how do they have so many uh um you know, got tunnels underneath the entire United States. Does that mean that there are uh, 365 million doppelgangers? What happens when uh, one of the doppelgangers gets poisoned rabbit and dies and then the, uh, his other doesn't? Like it falls apart as soon as. Where did they get so many scissors? How did they coordinate their costumes? Like all of these things in a realistic world kind of fall apart. And so if you only talk about the metaphor, then us is great, but it doesn't uh, hold together realistically. Triangle holds together both within its sort of a magical realism world. And goddamn it, I couldn't talk about all the things I love about Triangle. <laughs> I just spent my minute. I just spent my minute shitting on us. Well, I'm not I, I'm not shitting on it. Like I agree that the metaphor is great. Uh, but I just think that because it doesn't hold together realistically, and Triangle holds together real within its magical realism world, uh, that's why I like uh, Triangle more, and it's got more surprises. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Mm. I mean, I think I think you're really evoking a sort of an example of special pleading here because like getting stuck in a time loop, you know, I mean, you've really got to put a lot of interesting sort of new barriers around a magical reality in which this could potentially happen. And if you're not affording that same sort of allowance to us then you're not really comparing them on a a comparable uh, sort of like foundation, right? I mean, like with us, there's this world in which there's this government that kind of, you know, has this set up and like it's sort of assumed that this thing happened. And that's sort of the foundation is that this thing is the thing that happened. And that's what we come into the story with is that there's this thing. Um, Besides that, though, I think just like whenever you look at the technical merits, I think I think Jordan Peele did a phenomenal job with this. And I think there's a lot there artistically that just sort of goes above and beyond what we see with Triangle, even though it is a really interesting, really novel film. Um, I think there's just a lot more to appreciate, not to mention the social commentary. And I'm honestly not sure what sort of social commentary you can get about, as interesting as it is, a tale of a mother that sort of gets trapped in this sort of time loop and has to relive the same set of experiences over and over and
3: over again, even though
2: confiding like, with herself and so on and so forth. So, yeah.
0: All right. Shayra? I've got a reply to that, but I can't. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Shira. Well,
3: we'll, we'll figure out replies in the last minute, maybe. Let Here's me start the, thing. the again. Yeah, yeah, let's start my minute again. Us is a metaphor, yes, but it's a metaphor that has the moral viewpoints when you were talking about a progressive uh, viewpoint which is something that you stand for anyway and honestly that metaphor was absolutely necessary for its time how did they all get dressed in the same outfit it's because she was actually originally from the top world and moved to the bottom and now she's able to help people you know co- combine together that's what made them that's what made her neo down there was she had already experienced that other half of the life and that's what was the interesting twist in the film and that's what made it more realistic um th- the thing is we are talking about very real issues that we deal with versus uh, an interesting time loop story which has been done and is not necessarily original although i do like triangle as a time loop movie probably more so than any other time loop movie it's still not as original as us and it's not as timely as us
1: Noah. The time loop in triangle is the first twist, but there is more than one twist in triangle. Triangle knows that you're going to go into this movie thinking it's a time loop movie and it's built off that assumption. That's why it's unique. I think what happens in us, although it's the metaphor is important, it's powerful and it's it's monumental. Ultimately, us is about the other coming to it, even if it's the sort of Jungian, archetypical shadow self coming to attack it's more that concept is purified in triangle because it is literally the same person over and over and over again wanting so desperately to uh, attach themselves to the need to love it shows the negative side of love the need for that kinship with one's son That you would sacrifice that son and all of your friends ad infinitum in order to grasp, you know, a locket. Like in order to grasp that thing for one more minute. And I think ultimately that's a more powerful thing to me in a horror film. But I sound like I'm shitting on us and I don't mean to because us is amazing.
0: Us is good. Yeah, I I like us fine. Um, I just like triangle more. Uh, Anyone switch the vote? No. All right, Triangle has the Ooh. higher seed, so Triangle is heads. We are flipping. Today is heads day. Triangle moves on.
3: <laughs>
1: I like
0: I I know immediately what Ben is thinking. I
2: can look at his eyes, and he's gonna pull up
1: the odds of one right now. He's about to pull up the odds.
2: No, what, what I'm actually thinking them. right now is that I didn't see the coin flipping this time. I feel like you just picked up <laughs> a phone.
0: Uh, I. I swear I did. Cheat day
3: happens. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're yeah, Alex, we're gonna Alex if change I, this shit if by I'm the end. Cheat,
0: I'm gonna if I'm gonna cheat, I'm gonna cheat on the not the next one, but the one after. Um all right. So we've got <laughs> uh, seven versus get out. This is the hardest one for me. Uh everything else has been relatively meh, I wouldn't say easy, but I've gotta go with the one that aims higher i gotta go with get out uh noah yeah same this is this is hard this is hard um <sighs>
1: um shit yeah i I just,
0: I just realized that that if get out goes on it goes up against triangle and i yeah that's hard too fuck. all that's right to so get out versus seven though
1: i i'm gonna oh, fuck. yeah mm this could go either way i i'll save if we argue i'll give my reasons but i'll, I'll say yeah get out I, i'm gonna give it to get out like that much i'm gonna give it to get out ben
2: it's not as difficult for me Seven's a really good flick but get out easily wins here i think
1: okay wow Shabra?
3: either way get out and seven absolutely beat the shit out of triangle but uh get out <laughs> for sure
0: Oh wow! All right, so I guess it's the hardest for me and Noah. Um, uh, I will go ahead and move. Get out on, and then we'll go to the next one, uh, which which I hope uh, I hope the heads uh, <laughs> the 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 heads dominance continues if we go to a coin flip. Annihilation versus the Vavitch. I am definitely going Annihilation, Noah. The witch, Ben, Witch. Shabra,
3: You know, I I adore you, Jim. And I think (laughs) you're a great person. And I appreciate your arguments about Annihilation, and I really enjoyed that episode. And everybody should watch the Annihilation episode, but I'm going to go with Twitch.
0: I have one minute to convince you otherwise. This I don't know who's the most convincible. So this one, I don't know where to aim my aim my barbs, but uh, all right, minute starting now. Um okay, so the Vivich is a slow-moving film. It doesn't have the energy behind it that Annihilation has. Annihilation has better special effects. If we're just like looking at the filmmaking as a whole, Annihilation wins hands down not only that annihilation is a better metaphor about pain it's a metaphor about who we are as people Ben you always like metaphorical films and what is more metaphorical than annihilation annihilation as a metaphor certainly beats the not only that uh, we get this this weird sort of uh, thing at the end where all of the it's sort of this twist ending that's not really a twist ending Um, I mean she just looks the whole thing could have been avoided if she watched the baby closely uh it, it is a slow-moving film that I ended up just just getting more bored by, where Annihilation had me every second of the way. It is just a brilliant film, and I love Annihilation much more. And it speaks to me personally as well, since everybody starts talking about their their sort of personal connections to this film. Annihilation proves that because you are changed doesn't mean you are dead. Um, I am, did I change anyone's vote?
1: I just want to say, I don't know why that was so funny to me, but I can see the witch ending with, like, boo! Boo! And then the baby's there the whole time, and it just ends, like the witch. Like, it doesn't disappear at all. Like, it's just, that's the end of the movie. Anyway, sorry, I'm I'm weird. Anyway, no, you didn't change my mind. In fact, if anything, I'm doubling down on how much I love the witch after hearing what you had to say, because it angered me what you said. So the witch times 50. Did
0: I get the metaphor, did I get the metaphor lover Ben?
2: Uh, as much as I love metaphor, I mean, I also really enjoy slow burn films. And I don't necessarily think special effects and shock value really mean anything. So the
0: bear scene, I didn't even talk about the fucking bear scene.
1: Uh Anyway, yes, that yeah. is a scary scene. That scene really, fu- that scene really
0: fucked me up. The bear scene. But I think ultimately that I, over flying naked ladies.
1: Uh Okay, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Hold on. Uh but uh, no actually it's not even the bear scene it's the bulb scene where you actually see the uh the alien at the very end of annihilation that is the scene that sticks out as one of the most impacting scenes in the whole film to me but um i mean you know i just am one of those people that love to live deliciously so i can't i can't do it can't do it
0: and ben you stuck with uh, the vivich shayra yeah sorry man all right
3: look i i totally appeal like my my fear aesthetic If we can go with that, definitely goes in with Annihilation, this idea of this other being taking over your your self. You guys know this is my big fear. And the ending sequence to Annihilation is huge. And the, the idea that we change, we do actually morph into different people. That's actually what we do. It's a great metaphor for all that. But I have to say a majority of that film... I don't remember much about it. The end scene very much sticks out. There are certain parts of the ending sequence, like the the major parts of the ending of the film, like maybe the last half hour, huge. The start, it yeah, it's just just—it's just, it's just happy of
1: women
0: walking around the forest. That's all, Shaver. Don't
3: worry I would, be,
0: I would be happy to remind you, if I had another minute, or if you change your vote and I have another you five minutes. You know what? Minutes.
3: I know this is your main baby, and I am willing to listen to you, but I don't know that no, I will just You had so your
0: time, sir. If you change you your, vote, your vote, your I'll have time, another sir. five minutes. No, to no, no, you had your I, I
3: just, just want to say, with You're right. Bitch, I had my
0: time, but she could grant me five more minutes.
3: The witch nope. has aspects of it throughout the entirety of the film that stood out to me. Yes, it was slow burn. Slow burns tend to actually kind of bore me, and the witch didn't. And that actually kind of made it unique for me. Um, I know that a lot of Ben's favorites are these like slow burn ones, and I'm like, I fell asleep during during Hagazusa, like, fucking every time I tried to watch that shit I fell asleep. Oh my god, it was so boring. Sorry, I know you thought it was exciting, and I'm not trying to shit on Hagazusa, but I'm just saying, most of the time, a slow burn uh, can be slightly boring to my kind of brain, but... Uh, the witch, it's... I can think of every single moment, every single aspect of it was exciting to me somehow. And that's There is rare. no
1: elevated horror without the witch. That, it's... as a concept, does not exist without the witch. You see it's... my video, nope, I'm sorry, See, I'm sorry. Defer to my video on elevated I... horror and do a rebuttal, Jim, you are, you are absolutely mistaken. There is no modern
0: concept of elevated I... horror without the witch.
3: Can we I, would do happy, a video I would
1: be series? happy
0: to argue that that point, but have uh, at it. Sh- it, But that point is not germane to Annihilation versus Witch. So, uh, Shayra, if you're going to give me, if you change your vote, I nope. uh, I get five more <laughs> minutes. It's up <laughs> to no. you. No, these are the rules. These are the three to one,
1: three yeah. to I one. So sorry,
3: Jim. You know I love you, <laughs> but I'm sorry. Yeah. The Witch it definitely beats Annihilation.
0: Halloween versus It Follows. Uh, It Follows. Wait a- well, All right, y'all are killing me! Wait a minute! It Follows
1: is my- This- Wait, slow, stop.
0: I am voting for It Follows. It's on to you!
1: No, no, I know, but hold- Halloween, guys. Like, hold- Okay. I love- Oh, fuck. What? Y'all are, like, (laughs) tripping me out. This is crazy. I- I- uh, Okay. Come on, this one's obvious. Come
3: on.
1: No! What are you guys talking about? Like, Halloween is- Halloween is- Fucking Halloween. I mean, I, I, oh man, I'm just, I'm just going to kill everything I've said in the last two podcasts by somehow relying on Halloween's I, I, status as an iconic horror film. And I feel like that's, that's bullshit to do that. But look, Halloween's fucking scary, man. Like I'm seeing it on Halloween evening uh, this year at Alma Drafthouse, And I, I mean, I wouldn't do that if it, I wasn't going in happily getting ready to be scared that said, I mean, I think you're right. It follows, I uh I I think it follows. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Like I feel I feel like it's blasphemous to say this, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm a blasphemer these days. It follows is the better film, I think, overall. I think it is. I think it is. I love Halloween. I don't just want to be like it follows, it follows, it follows, and Halloween just drops by the wayside. This is Halloween, 1978. This is Michael Myers. This is, this is genre creating in many ways. This is Lovecraftian. This is like, this is everything. This is, this is the shape, you know, I, ah, I'd be remiss to not just give it a couple minutes and let that sink in. So yeah, I got to go with It Follows, uh, shit, of of the last 20 years, my favorite horror film, so. Ben?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, argued for Halloween in the last podcast or, uh, the last round that we'd anyway, I argued for this one. Um, and I, I totally get uh, Noah's thoughts on this here. Um, but I, you know, I also do think that sort of it follows is more interesting. I mean, I think it's more cerebral. Yes. Uh, there are elements here and symbolic elements um, of the shape and just like really kind of thinking that out and the impact um, it's really good. But yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think it follows as a more interesting film overall.
3: Shara. Yeah, it follows uh, absolutely. I, I get it. I get it. Halloween. Wow, I, I get it. Here's the thing. Um, I've actually been watching a lot of horror from that time period. It's not original at all, at all, at all, at all. It did, it did make that a very popular genre. Great. It's not original at all. Um. I love it. It's great. The performances are fantastic. It's the music that is fucking fantastic. Shit, it. I always will watch it for Halloween. It is, you know, the movie you watch. But if I actually want to terrify the shit out of my friends, I put on It Follows, and then mm. they sit there and they're like, "Oh shit, what did I just watch? It's gonna. It's it's gotta go. It follows. That puts the stone in the shoe. Uh, mm. Halloween is um." Almost to the standards of today, kind of cute. <laughs> and wow, that's not what I'm going for. There are some really great sequences. Don't get me wrong. I love Halloween. I will defend it. But it follows is much more horrifying, I think,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's like it falls so they are they're similar in the sense that there's this thing lurking, right? There's death is imminent, and it walks and it <sighs> follows slowly. Michael Myers is this sort of contiguous thing with a blankness, whereas in It Follows, there's still this thing coming after you. There's different rules. It's obviously, it's, it's like giving Michael Myers by fucking. <laughs> in some ways, it's like, this thing's going to follow in some ways that's going to kill you eventually, and it won't stop. And it's it's just, it's, it's like a never-ending, I'm going to search you out sort of monster uh, that ends with your destruction. But they just have different,
3: There's still the familial stuff, too, that goes in in line with It Follows and with Halloween. You have the, in It Follows, you have the mom, it it turns into his mom, and and she, like, rapes him. Uh, Whereas with Michael Myers, he's dealing with family issues himself and and not being able to feel like he's connected with his family, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's familial stuff to it. There's uh, this creeping death. They both have those elements, but I think It Follows was a thing that really revived and rejuvenated the horror film industry for today. And yeah, Halloween did that in 1978. There was a huge influx of horror movies in the 80s because of, of Halloween. So in, in similar respects, they both revived things. Well, you know, it, <laughs> and that's it, it what follows. that's what the killer does. The killer yeah. is always revived, right? <laughs> it works.
1: Well, you know, it. I said this in the podcast for It Follows, but It Follows pays a massive homage to Halloween um in many sequences the classroom sequence the house uh where they go the empty house where they find the porno magazines um you know i, I think uh, jess's uh sister is jamie lee Cur- is was named after jamie lee curtis's sister and it follows so there's a ton of uh a ton of connections between the movies in the sense that it follows paid homage to sort of the, uh, the, the, the thing lurking, the shape lurking behind you, the thing following you, death creeping in. I think what makes it, I I really just want to spend a moment on this and say that I think maybe the thing that makes it follow superior also is its reflectiveness, its reflection on the philosophical specter of death. You know, that doesn't exist really in Halloween. Um, uh, that's absent largely in Halloween, but in it follows, there's this, I mean, they, they, they're, they're, reading Kierkegaard in parts of it. They're, they're, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Kierkegaard, Dostoevsky, holy shit. They, they're, yeah, they're, 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 reading they're, The Idiot.
3: They're, they're yeah. opening up even devices that have meaning yeah. and metaphor when they're yeah. reading stuff, so. Yeah. And there's these random
1: moments in It Follows where they, they talk about these deeply philosophical issues related to their last moments of existence. Like what it's is going it's, to be you like.
3: you say it's highbrow Halloween then?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it pays homage. And even that is kind of cool cool right like I I it it enhances the movie I think also by paying homage to that sort of genre and I don't know I it's 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 more high-minded this is this really comes down to me being a total hypocrite because I when I think (laughs) of Halloween I really it totally does I'll be completely honest about it like when it comes to Halloween yeah it's uh it's it's not very philosophical at all in terms of the content of the movie I mean it it has some of that stuff in it. it has the Lovecraftian stuff it has the otherness stuff that sort of stuff, but uh, it 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 doesn't reflect on itself in in the same way I think it follows does. It doesn't doesn't really have the adolescence thing that it follows does. I mean, there's adolescence, obviously in <laughs> there's adolescent people in uh, in Halloween, but the reflection on adolescence being sort of this cue into the realization that death is coming for you, that it's imminent, that the world is going to break your back and at some point it's going to fall on you like a house and you're going to die. That like realization that life's too much sometimes and, and what's waiting for you at the end and following you and you pass it along by having sex, you create this next set of beings that have to face this same monster. That is. Adding a layer of complexity to a Michael Myers-esque sort of death villain, a haunt inspector that comes after you, that I think makes it superior. So I wanted I wanted to take this extra time to say that because we're literally gonna too. yeah we're gonna move Halloween out of this list if we're gonna do it let's do it right.
0: So well, I, I agree that was the uh, that was the most discussion we've ever had for a 4-0 victory. <laughs> and, uh, this completes the round of thirty two. Join us next week. When we jump into the Sweet 16, we have such great matchups as Requiem for a Dream versus Pontypool, Clockwork Orange versus Seven Seal, Come and See versus Bug, Alien versus Dr. Caligari, Midsummer versus Antichrist. We're all going to go nuts next week. We oh, hope yeah. you join us then. Until then, thank you very much for watching. Be sure to check us out on social media. Uh, like, share, and subscribe to this video. And play... Play your own bracket. Tweet us your bracket. Uh, We've got the link for the bracket in the description below. Until then, have a good night or day.